Alrighty boys, yesterday was eventful, we've got a lot to talk about and a lot to go over. So let's go ahead and get on into it. What's up gamers? How we doing today? Are we doing alright? <sighs> they classed with Chris. We ended up, uh, we ended up being in a, I think the reality split and we might be in the good timeline. It is possible that we are in the good timeline. A bunch of things happened yesterday. Some good, some bad. But mostly good in my opinion. Any plans for a Hollow Palm build video? I did one of those a league or two ago. But boys, but boys, we got a couple things to talk about. Uh, today we are going to go over my thoughts on Bayclast and everything that happened with it. I've got brief notes that are kind of in line. Uh, with the timeline. I haven't sorted through these at all, so we're just going to be going over it and doing whatever we want. Um, we're going to talk about actual real toxicity in the Pee Wee community and just like Reddit and stuff in general because there's some there's some shit that's been stirred up recently and I want to at least, you know, set a standard here on what, you know, is acceptable and not, at least for us. I can't modify, I can't like moderate anybody else's stuff, but at least for us. I, I don't think that it's a problem with us, to be honest, but I still need to say it. Um, and then we are going to do some theory crafting on the uh, totem build, the Forbidden Rights totem build. We're going to do the final theory crafting. We're going to be doing um, a couple of things, right? So it's going to be a decent amount of React Andy uh, early on, so expect that. First thing we're going to talk about, because I think this is the more important of the topics and the shorter conversation, is going to be the recent happenings in the PoE community and such, and just my thoughts on it. So let's get into it, boys. Alright, I have to turn stream elements back on here, because I had to turn it off yesterday. Alright, boys. So, yesterday, if you were with us... For the uh, Bay class, tensions were very high, extremely high, I would say. Um, people were upset, and everyone was expecting quite a bit out of this Bay class. And because of that, the bad actors that are in the PoE community at large um, have kind of gone a little bit too far, obviously. I am sure that the vast majority of these people who are actually sending legitimate death threats are not actually legitimate. I'm sure of that. However, it's not something that you take lightly, I feel, and I can't tell anyone else how to moderate their communities or whatever that it is, but when um when people when you send anything where even if it's like somewhat joking, like even if it can be inferred as like somewhat real, it, it, it's it's a serious matter, right? Like, I don't think that it is something that you can just come back from. If someone is sending a death threat to you, I do feel that you should take it seriously, right? Like, if someone was sending them to me, I would be like, okay, I've recorded this and I'm sending it to the authorities. Like, there's nothing else that really needs to be done in that case because it's not something that should be okay. People telling you that, you know, any, like, it's 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 a little bit ridiculous, okay? It's, it's not something... It's not something to joke about. It's not something to meme about. It's not anything like that, okay? 
so just understand that it is not something that I will like even somewhat entertain you can meme on people you can you can talk shit you can do whatever you want as long as it doesn't turn into actual like physical hate of people there's no reason to hate a person over their opinions on a video game okay you can disagree with those opinions and you can say their opinions are trash but hating that person, you don't know who that person is. You have no idea who that person is. Like, even if you hate, I don't care if you hate Quinn, Tarky, Zizarin, myself, Rise, I don't care who you hate, right? Like, if you disagree with their opinions, that doesn't mean that you should hate them. You don't know these people. You don't know me. You don't know any of these people here. Some of you might, but you don't know them, okay? They are, their content and what they do is separate from the person they are, all right? So just understand that so the first thing that i want to go into here is going to be his actual twit longer um keep in mind don't make assumptions off of these things yet let's actually read it and go through it a little bit now and here he says a lot of things he said before the announcement of the podcast going live i was thinking to myself what should my approach to this conversation be considering the tiny amount of information we had about how ggd felt I agree with this. We had so little information that it was it was very, very, very difficult to even fathom what they were thinking. They told us nothing. And I think that that was a big problem. And hopefully going forward, they seem to be much more like trying to jump back on the communication bandwagon, because I think that that's something that did them a lot of good earlier on in maybe like PoE's timeline. And they've moved completely away from that to the point where they just avoid everything. I would like to see a lot more communication, regardless of if it's difficult. I think that it's important. So this is very true here. Will they double down or maybe they'll revert the changes? I just had no idea. And I think many of the community felt the same. Yep. Observing everyone's reaction since before the league even started, I thought many others were confused in the same way as me. Talked to my chat about a hypothetical situation, which we could debate Chris. Yep. I, I get where people are saying I personally saw the patch as a short-term negative that will have long-term positive consequences. I agree that GGG thought that this is what they were doing. I don't think that's how it came out, though. Um, I also think that they had issues with the way that they went about communicating it. Um, so, let's see here. Watching the chat's reaction, I decided I would talk about problems mentioned by all types of players. This is good. I think this is something that... Uh, content creators need to do a little bit more of when it comes to PoE because the thing about it is is that a lot of the reason why and let me say that I'm not saying that you have to but I feel a lot of the reason why people get so upset with certain content creators is because they have a feeling on something and when there is only a limited amount of people who gets to talk and interact with GDG in any manner, right? There's a very limited select few amount of people. So when people see things like, you know, a podcast full of people that they don't really identify with and they don't really see any of their voices being heard, and that is the only way that they get to talk with GGG directly, they feel left out and they feel like disenfranchised and they feel invalidated and that's what starts to stir up all of this hate. I think that there are two ways to go about this. I think that the way that GGG is going to handle it is good in that they're going to talk to multiple people. I know that Chris is going to talk with Zizarin sometime this upcoming week, and I know that the week afterwards he's going to be talking with Gazzy. He might talk with more people. I would be happy to talk with him about the new player experience because that's what I focus on and I don't know very many other people. 
that do focus on the new player experience. I think Zizarin, if he does spend some time on that, has the closest to the new player experience that I do. Like his thoughts, he focuses more on new player experience than most everyone else besides myself, I feel. So I, I do think that this is a good way to go about it because it gives us a chance to have all of the perspectives at least heard by them, right? Because when you see Chris and you see them go on and they talk about things and you hear the stuff that Chris says about, um, you hear the things that Chris says about like this hard mode and all that kind of stuff. And it, it makes you feel like, what is he thinking? Like, what is he doing? I have no idea. I can't relate to this whatsoever because he's talking about no drops and only wanting like anything. Ziz, really? Yeah, actually, I, I do. I do. Um, I do agree that you path of math MBX. I don't think that would be a good. I don't think that would be a good podcast. Um, but um, I think that. The thing about it is, is that I do think that Zizarin has at least more of a pulse on um, on new players because he makes content for those new players and he focuses on as much new player stuff as he can. Ziz said Mathel will join too. Huh, interesting. I wonder how Mathel's going to do on there. But either way, as I was saying, let's move on. I think that it's good that they're talking and getting more perspectives because I think that will help um, going forward. What would a person without a voice want to challenge GGG on? Yep, obviously being an SSFHC Andy, I don't relate to many of them, but wanted to make sure that you hear answers to questions may have been asking for a long time, even if it would mean, even if it would never be something I'd personally see as interesting for myself. That is basically what I talk about. I thought the goal of the podcast was communication and transparency. I wanted people to feel heard because I want Pee Wee to succeed, and when the entire community is so frustrated, much of this negativity also has a bad influence on me, and it can. Um, I, I don't have... Um, as much experience with this just because I've only really been in content creation for and it's succeeding in any manner for maybe a year or two. Um, I've gone through a lot of just people hating me, like the whole situation that happened uh, a league ago with the people just like shit talking me constantly on Reddit and, you know, just saying and coming into chat and doing dumb shit. I, I have experienced it somewhat, right? And I know how it feels. And I know that you can get into this headspace where you just kind of get overwhelmed. And unfortunately, as humans, we kind of focus on the negative and negative, 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 negative takes way too much of our brain space. It's very, very easy to get completely focused on that and tune everything out. So I do agree and I do understand this. Prior to the show, the announcement Reddit thread was full of personal attacks against me and other people in Bay class. Yes, and there were a bunch of people doing this. I think that these are bad actors. I don't think that we should give them a spotlight by any means. Um, I, I, I don't think that these people should be given a spotlight whatsoever. I do feel that the community does deal with them properly. I do feel like we push these people out. However, it is still there and it still is findable and it's still easy to see. It's not something that I feel that we can ever solve, but I don't think that personal attacks... And now, keep in mind, I have a different definition of attack than some people might. When you are attacking the person, personal attacks would be something about talking about the person as themselves, right? Like, calling them like, I don't know, like saying that, you know, all Quinn is dumb or all Rise is dumb or all, you know, Tarkat is dumb or something like that. That isn't a personal attack, right? You're just, you're just shit talking at that point. That's my opinion on this, keep in mind. But when you start saying things like, like giving people death threats or saying that, you know, things like that, it, it, it crosses a line, essentially. 
It's going to be an SSFHC heart echo chamber. I worried about this. I, I'm, I'm honest. I'm going to be honest. Um, we won't ask any real questions. Replace X with X person. We don't re represent the perspective of the player base and many other opinions I won't mention as you guys have probably seen them anyways. I, I, I will admit that I did have some reservations about this, right? Like, I'm, I'm going to say that I was worried, of course, because of things that have happened in the past with the way that things have gone, um, particularly on that podcast, right? I, I was worried, um, and I think that it's okay to be worried and it's okay to express those opinions, but attack the opinions, not the person themselves, okay? You can attack their opinions and you can say that that person has bad opinions on things and say that their opinions and their takes on it are bad, but when you physically are attacking like their livelihood and their life, it is not, it's, it's not okay, all right? Because I'll use an example that I've used in the past. Um, Ian from, say, uh, from World of Warcraft. I do feel that he has not done a great job on what he's done in WoW, right? I've said that he has caused some of the problems that have happened with WoW and putting himself as a figurehead of like World of Warcraft and basically just being like lawyer speak constantly, I feel has had a negative impact on the community, him himself, right? That is something that is at least constructive, right? It's at least something that's saying, hey, you know, you you doing this and all of that, I, I don't agree that, you know, you've had a positive impact on the community. That is at least somewhat like representative of something that would make sense, right? Like you could be like, okay, yeah. But when you say like, man, this person's a fucking idiot and I don't know what the fuck they're doing. They should stop playing the game. They're fucking stupid. What's their pro? Like when you start saying things like that, it, it just it just evolves into to garbage, right? But I, I will I will say that I, I was worried about some of this here. I, I was worried that it was going to be an echo chamber because it has been in the past. People thought we'd only ask questions related to our own personal experience of Path of Exile, and it's fine that they do. I think that they should have some representation as well. Um, I just do feel that the softcore trade version, which is the most people that play Path of Exile, gets very little representation. It's getting more now, which is good. It was fucked to say the least, but as someone who felt like that many times before when the game was being constantly sped up, I could relate to the frustration. Yes, exactly. And uh, that's good. Not everyone has a platform event like streamers. None of them could directly communicate with the developers. Yep. And they saw the situation as their only opportunity and couldn't really perceive it as something beneficial to their cause. Yep. Exactly. So Rise understands, right? I I, uh, I know that I know that we, we, we even memed on Rise a little bit. None of it was like hateful or anything like that, what we did yesterday. But obviously you can tell that Ryze is not, is not stupid, right? He knows what he's talking about. He's obviously like a competent. He's obviously intelligent. He knows, he, he, he understands the situation, right? I received many death threats along with a general barrage of insults during that day and the days leading up to the actual podcast itself. I thought this whole situation wouldn't get any worse. Despite all of this making me incredibly concerned, to say the least, I saw my goal as clear and was hoping that the sake for the show, other crew members, myself and PO, we don't fuck it up and alongside Chris, we can hopefully prove some people wrong. The death threats are unacceptable, obviously. Um, the problem that I feel is that I can't say, um, you never know how the person feels until you're in that situation, right? Um, I would say that you're really not going to be able to tell how that person can react until they're in the situation. I can completely understand, even though I don't agree with some of the things that Rise was complaining about, I can understand his feelings in that situation because most of you don't understand, right? I have been there. I've seen it somewhat. I have not gotten very many death threats. Uh, in, in my history of being a content creator, I've maybe gotten two and they were very bullshit. 
Um, but the idea is that I don't agree with some of it, right? But death threats are unacceptable. Um, the problem is, is that when you're in that situation where you're getting people actually threatening your lives, you, your life, you can have problems doing everything else, right? I thought this whole situation, oh, yeah, we already said that. A couple of days ago and by the podcast begins, I'm nervous as fuck, which is not exactly a feeling I'm super familiar with, as I've mentioned many times on stream. I'm typically a super confident person, but didn't have a super strict format as per usual on Bay Class. Other than the UI and build diversity feedback, none of the questions I posed were of my personal perspective at all. I think he could have done a couple more questions that he was wondering, that he was wondering about, although it did get very long. Um, so this was a conversation to clear everything up and from chat's reaction I could tell many felt relief when they saw questions related to them being answered yes I thought that pretty much all of them I, I think for me every single content creator on the podcast what? I, I think um, I think that every single content creator on the podcast um, did pose solid questions to Chris and a few of the a few of the content creators on the podcast even pushed him which is good. I think he needs to be pushed in those kinds of situations, right? Answers being good or bad didn't matter. They just wanted to be heard and know what's going on. Um, I, I don't... I think the podcast ends up being mostly what I envisioned. People seem generally more at ease at the very least now that they know GGG's plans for the future. Absolutely. Communication is a problem here. And continue to play like me or quit the game in peace if they did not like what they heard. Um, I don't exactly resonate with that. I was very proud of my friends as well. I thought everyone was exceptional, exceptionally on point, and we all aligned perfectly in our vision of what the event should be despite practically not communicating at all prior to the podcast. That's a little questionable. We went out of their comfort zone to do all the despite knowing the risks. Yeah, I mean, there was some risks here, definitely. Um, I, I do think that the, like, political risk of going on the podcast was kind of eh. There were some things that I don't feel were addressed, which I felt were important. Um, hopefully those will be addressed in the upcoming stuff. But as for right now, um, they, they did they did a pretty good job. After ending the podcast and checking, uh, started checking my social media to see what people thought, I instantly noticed my DMs were flooded with tons of death threats. Was there... I, I wonder genuinely how much it was, because if it's a lot, that's kind of scary, and it makes me wonder what was going on. Because I feel that... I feel that Rise particularly did a very good job. Um, I, I feel that during the I feel that during the podcast when he was talking with Chris, I feel that he did a good job. I feel he pressed Chris a lot. I feel he asked some important questions, and I feel like he didn't like let things slip too much, right? Like I can understand you have four other people there that's trying to talk to Chris. Um, but I felt that he pushed him. I felt that he did a good job, right? I, I, I felt like most people were represented by some of that. Um, streamer saw the announcement of the podcast and went full nuclear instantly. Uh, clips from other streamers calling me and the rest of the crew, all sorts of things. Yeah, I, I, I can see why people were upset, but like calling, like all kinds of stuff like this is not really necessary. Quinn repeatedly calling my takes retarded cringe and reddit pandering. Many encouraged constant toxic behavior in the chat and took zero action against it. I don't really want to get into the Quinn situation because like, I mean, I'll be honest with you guys. Um, uh, can we stop Rises clearly faking the situation drama whoring? No, I don't, I don't believe that for a moment. Uh, but I, the, the, the Quinn 69 repeal, I don't really want to get into this. I think Quinn does actually, even if he, even if it sucks, he does actually like barricade the community from quite a bit. 
in this regard because he pulls all of the you know people with these takes into his chat and they stay there and i think that's good for a lot of the rest of us um not agreeing with anything that he did i don't really care many encourage constant talks behavior in the chat and took zero action against it some of the screenshots that i saw like like i don't know where was it something about what tarkat said um like some of the screenshots somewhere i don't know where it was though it's it's somewhere like deep deep in here in some of these replies and it fucking twitter is set up so terribly that it's hard to find yeah like this like i don't think that this is that toxic right um i i don't think that this is that toxic it it seems pretty run-of-the-mill for for quinn's chat this this doesn't seem that bad like saying you know like saying rise takes whatever like that i mean it's like it's it's pretty toxic some of the stuff here but it's it's not like like the, like this is pretty bad like the, the the cringe and all this kind of stuff but it's not that bad for 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 quench chat to be honest that's just twitch chat in general there's not really much that you can do about that um those actions combined with their unmoderated 18,000 viewer stream chat resulted in much more grief than i was anticipating yeah i think that this is just kind of about how you moderate your own community like it's fine for people to be doing things but you, you do have to understand that at the end of the day when you don't say at least something right about people doing those kinds of things it 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 can lead to bad things right i highly disagree that type of chat is okay um that is pretty like i'm not sure how much experience you have with twitch but that is pretty run-of-the-mill like that is not uh <laughs> that is not outstandingly like toxic for some things that can happen on this platform i will be honest with you like i understand that none of it's good um but like that is very run-of-the-mill for this platform absolutely without a doubt that is super run-of-the-mill and not even like as bad as some things can get i'm not saying that it's good um but like the stuff that was on there um is tame in comparison is basically what i'm getting to um but i do feel that i i i genuinely like i know some of you guys think that content creators are all evil human beings that will do anything to gain fame and there are some of those people that do that but i don't feel that rise here is like trying to just like drama bait or some shit like that right like you can't it's not always like that. Like, it, it's not like nothing real ever happens, right? That's not the case. Real shit happens sometimes. You, like, you can't just say, oh, he's drama baiting, doing it for clicks, doing it for views. It's it's not always like that, okay? But yeah, that's most of what it is. Um, I'm sitting here completely defeated and incredibly frustrated about everything. If we can't even have a conversation with the devs without people resorting to these sorts of behavior, I don't see any of it as worth it anymore. I love talking about PoE. That's why I'm just... That's why, despite being a part of Bay Class for so many years now, I look forward to every single one. I'm not exactly perfect in my behavior whatsoever either, as I've said incredibly, incredibly abrasive things in the past. He's just admitting to it here, right? So, I mean, like, you can't say that he's just saying, you know, oh, I haven't done anything and this isn't my fault and stuff, right? He understands that he says abrasive things. Undoubtedly, most of the time, I let my emotions get the best of me, and I do or say something super dumb. Once again, admitting it. This most likely helps attract other people with similar behavior. Yep. And, yeah, it's like, I've been streaming for a long time, and being a slave to public opinion has taken a toll on me, and it does. It does absolutely take a toll on people. Like, you, you don't, you probably don't get it until you're there, 
but having people just constantly like flooding you with hate makes you think that like the world's ending it's ridiculous it makes you think that everything is over and for people whose entire like and for people whose like entire you know career revolves around this it can you know be very worrying right nobody likes being a punching bag at the end of the day i'm just a person yeah well some people like being a punching bag um I don't see any of these behaviors that we have now grown to accept as normal. Not for the stream or Reddit community, not towards any other, each other GGG. As for myself, I promise to be better in the future, so please hold me accountable and make sure to call me out whenever I'm going overboard, especially when addressing others, right? So, good. Absolutely. Great. He's being upfront. He's admitting what he's done. He's giving a plan on what he wants to happen going forward and saying that he will be better, right? Suppose at the end, I don't have a huge conclusion to any of this. I'll probably get over it in a couple of days. Just wanted people to have insight in how I experienced the last week and the things that have been a struggle for some time now. I I think that he gets way too much hate here. I, I know that he said some bad things and people latched onto the um I, I know that people latched onto like that one clip that he said, but you have to understand when you're trying to stream and you're trying to entertain and you're trying to do these things, sometimes it's easy to say something that you don't exactly mean when you're just trying to like make something funny happen, right? I've said it before and most streamers have said something some dumb shit before, okay? The fact that he's going through here and admitting that he said some dumb shit, saying that I want to work on it, hold me accountable, all that kind of stuff, I think that it's good. I think that this is great. I think that it's unfortunate that these things happen to specifically Rise and all of the other people on the podcast. What clip? It's it, we don't need to go into it. There's it's it's been all over the place all forever. But um, I hope that Rise is feeling okay. I know that um, he disagrees on a lot of things, but it's just. I know that like he and, and and maybe the community in general disagree on a lot of things, but obviously you can tell by this twit longer that it's 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 not it's at the end of the day it's it's not okay to go so far. Okay, that's most of what I want to talk about with the drama. I'm not gonna get into like the Quinn and all of the 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 Reddit bullshit over here. I don't care about this. I, I'm mainly just talking about the one main topic here. Um, we're not we're not we're not gonna get into that. So next thing I want to talk about is uh, Bay Class itself. Um. Let's see here. Twitch, YouTube, big class. All right, so I have notes here. Um, I'm just gonna leave this up for now because uh, I don't really have anything. Oh, I guess I can go to showcase. Um, so there's some stuff that I wanna talk about, but I need to get my notes. My notes are fucking terrible, but I need to get them like, hi. Move to other view. Do that. All right. My notes are fucking terrible. What I want to go over, but I, I do want to go over them. Keep in mind, I was just like trying my best to get like random stuff written down as I was going. All the rest of the shit out of there. I was just trying to keep random shit down as I was going, so they're they're nothing special, right? It's literally just like my thoughts as I went on. So I want to talk about a couple things. The parallel to this, streamers are 100% live TV and it's possible to expect humans to be perfect all day, every day when you're when you're live. People say stupid things. Yeah, it happens all the time. Um, there's a difference between, you know, saying like very bad stuff and <laughs> and just like saying some dumb shit every once in a while. But yeah, there, there, there is a difference there, you know. Um, anyways, I have very, very basic notes that I took down on a couple of things that I thought were interesting and I want to talk about them. So, 
they talked about wanting to revert the flash changes, right? So we'll start here. They wanted to talk about reverting the flash changes and they had a further review on the mana changes and admitted that they didn't fully test everything, right? So when it comes to flasks, uh, let's see here. When it comes to flasks, right? Their intention was to reduce the power of the flasks and reduce RSI. I genuinely don't think, um, I, I genuinely don't think that they did this. I don't think that this was the case. Um, I don't think that this was the outcome of what the changes that they made. Maybe in some small circumstances when you do the auto pop flask, but besides that, I don't actually feel like it accomplished that. Um, they talked about doing proactive mod pools versus defensive mod pools on flasks and I think that that's actually a very good thing. I think that having proactive mods and defensive mods on different kinds of flasks and having them split in that way is a very, very good thing because it will make rolling the correct flask that you want significantly easier. Um, the tiers of mods to the flasks and master crafting, I know that some people were worried about this, but I do think that this is a good thing. And I wanna tell you why I think that this is a good thing. Um, the reason why I think this is a good thing is because they admitted that they are willing to give some of the power back to flasks just because they'll have tiered mods, right? The thing that always felt weird to me with flasks is that they were different than most other things in the game besides jewels. And I think jewels should honestly, I don't know. I don't know what to do with jewels. I think a lot of the mods should probably be, uh, minimized on jewels and we should probably have more variety there and make them at least make it a little bit easier to get certain things. But the thing about flasks is having some kind of like opportunity cost to the tiers of mods on flask and having it make um, at least sense to want higher tier eye level flasks is not a bad thing, I feel. I think that the tiers of the mods on the flask is probably good. Um, we'll have to see how that goes. Um, they also said that unique flasks are gonna continue to be reviewed. I'm worried about this just because they didn't say positive or negative, which makes me think that it's negative. If that makes sense. So that's pretty much it on flasks in general. Um, they want to do further review on the mana changes. Um, what does RSI stand for? Um, repetitive stress injury. So think about like you're clicking constantly like this over and over and over and over and over again, and it causes damage to like the ligaments and stuff in your wrist. A repetitive stress injury. Um, further review on mana changes. I think that they massively fucked up with the mana changes. I think this was, as I said previously, one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest problems. And then they also said that they admitted that they didn't fully test things. And they admitted that there were problems in their QA. And not that the QA testers themselves were having the problems, but that maybe the variety of the people QA testing and their insistence on double checking the QA was at fault here. They tuned the mana changes back though. Yeah, but they shouldn't have released in the state that they did. Um, it was it was pretty bad the state that they released in. So um, that was kind of it was kind of questionable when I heard because they've been doing this for a long time, right? I was it kind of worried me a little bit, but at least we're getting an idea into what's actually going on. That they are they I, I feel like they need someone to really delve into the QA process and make sure that this stuff is kind of be held being held more accountable. Um, the testers didn't have a full build. The testers played on 1.35 mana cost. Yes, and that is part of it, right? I think that the the testing and the people who are moderating and overseeing the testing need to be like held a little bit more accountable for things, right? They also told us that they want skills to they want skill to matter. This is a good thing. But I feel, um, 
I feel they didn't deliver on this. I feel that they didn't deliver on this in the patch at all. I do think that it is a good thing that Chris and the team feel that they want skill to matter, right? They want your ability to play the game to matter. I think that that's important. Um, they do want to, they also said that they want to have a variety of builds. I was surprised to hear this. Um, I was happy to hear this. I was happy to hear that they do want to have a variety of builds going and that there is more options because this is something I've never really heard them specifically talk on before. I haven't heard them talk on something about wanting a wide variety of skills to be playable, right? I feel like Spellslinger specifically either wasn't tested or was overlooked. Uh, Spellslinger probably got overlooked. Um, Herald of Agony got overlooked. Um, quite a few things. And there, there were a few things that definitely got like massively, massively overlooked. I thought skill would be centered in your ability to use movement. Yes, and that was kind of the thing where I feel like they missed the mark. Because as I said in my video, one of the only ways that you can actually demonstrate skill expression in PoE has to do with your ability to move your character in whatever way it is. There's very, um, there's very few ways to demonstrate actual skill. There's only realistically two, because the rest you're demonstrating knowledge, right? Anytime where you are updating your character, updating your gear, um, updating your items, play style, uh, farming strategies, metho methodology, all of that, that has to do with you having knowledge of the game, right? It has nothing really to do with skill. I feel that PoE is much more a game focused on skill, or much more of a game focused on knowledge and less on skill, but I do feel that the skill stuff should be important, right? You should be able to express skill in the game in some meaningful way, and that is mainly right now through movement and how you actually use your abilities. That's pretty much it. Skills playable with what investment? I would like people to be able to play most of the skills in the game at most investment levels. I understand that it's not ever going to be possible to get the game into a state where every single skill is able to be pushed to the very, very end of the game and be amazing at it. I get that and I understand it. What I'm saying is that there shouldn't be skills that are meant as a main damage ability that cannot get to red maps, right? Like, that cannot do it. There are a few skills where red maps are just mostly undoable. On, even on, like, 10, 20 exalt budget, alright? That's what I'm saying. There are abilities that are in that kind of realm, where they are so under, under like, utilized, or underutilized, or under, like, powered, that they can't actually push into, like, red maps with even ridiculous amounts of gear, right? Sure, any skill can work with absolutely unfathomable amounts of gear, but I'm talking like 1020X should be able to make most builds at least be able to play in red maps, okay? Easier defensive options available to more characters. I agree with this as well. Um, examples, um, Frostblades, the two that the chat said would be like things like Frostblades, things like Solrend, um, things like uh, Crackling Lance is a little bit behind. I have to look up like an active skill gems list. Oh, give me a second. List of active skill gems by gem tag. No, not that one. Skill gem? No, I don't know what it is. For a detailed description, no. I want to see a list of the gems. Is it? Is that? Is that list not list of active skill gems? There we go. Okay, here it is. Got it. 
So going through here in the list of active skill gems, right? There are a bunch of abilities that without significant investment just simply don't really work that well. Um, going through the list here, I'm not sure about animate weapon. You could probably, there's been one or two builds recently that animate weapon works. Uh, Artillery Ballista has some value. Barrage, Bear Trap is more of like a, a support skill. Obviously these are fine. Obviously these are fine. Blast Rain was good or is okay. Um, Burning Arrow Caustic Arrow is okay. Charge Dash definitely has massive, massive, massive issues. Um, Cobra Lash even has massive issues. I don't know if you've tried to play a Cobra Lash build in recent time, but you can do some decent mapping, but the moment you even try to do anything super high tier, it starts to feel miserable. Um, Cremation's okay. Cyclone's obviously okay. Desecrate's kind of a support ability. Double Strike, Dual Strike, Elemental Hit. Um, Ethereal Knives is another one where it's only really usable by people who are doing like a ridiculous investment build where they're doing so much damage that it doesn't matter. Um, and it's fine that there are some skills like that. I think that Ethereal Knives probably could use some love on the low end of the damage scale. Um, Explosive Arrow is okay, but I mean like you can kind of see, right? They're like Frost Blades is one of those. Uh, let's just try to find ones that are bad. I shot at least has a place. Yes, Yo, what's Daddy. up, Red Rover? Mary Deliverone has joined the flock. Thank you, thank you, thank Hi, you. For Hope the you're episode. feeling okay today. I'm feeling okay, right? I'm not feeling great. I'm um, going into some of the other ones, like going over into like red skill gems, right? Like chain hook is pretty laughable. Uh... <sighs> Honestly, Exsanguinate's not doing that great anymore, but it's okay. Uh, <laughs> glacial Hammer literally has like one guy making billion DPS Glacial Hammer builds. Um, Heavy Strike is kind of dead for what it used to do now. Um, Ice Crash is one of the only actual good, like, overall just great slams that does something very interesting. Not answering fucking bullshit calls. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of them that are having problems. And one thing that has a ton of problems is, uh, the, the spells themselves, right? Arc is really rough nowadays. Like, I know Inky's been trying to push Arc for a long time, and it's fucking rough, dude. Going down this list, like, Ball Lightning is one of the few outliers when it comes to spells on just being amazingly good. Bane has problems. Blazing Salva was okay in one specific scenario with using it in mines. Other than that, it was pretty trash. I feel like Blight could use some damage buffs because it's one of the only things that allows, like, damage over time chaos characters to have some method of single target when they're casting. Uh, like, Cold Stamp has a place, Contagion has a place, uh, Crackling Lance is very rough, like, I tried as hard as I could, and there's only really maybe one way to push this ability, and that's massive cast speed, and that's not even that good. Dark's Pact has totems, Discharge has some stuff that it does, Divine Ire is kind of in a, in an eh place right now. I mean, there's, there's, there's so many of them, right? Like, Hexblast has Ignite, but then they nerf the hell out of that. Earthshatter used to be amazing for shotgunning damage with war cries, but I swear they stealth nerfed it or were only two Fisher spikes can hit a mob at a time. Something like that, I know. Um, there's there's just lots and lots and lots and lots of things here that have problems. So, moving back to what I was talking about before, though, um, easier defensive options available to more characters. This is something that I do feel like we need. Um, I personally feel like. I don't want more, I don't want more things that we have to be aware of. I don't want more like sources of things that we need to defend ourselves from. I would prefer less sources of things that we have to defend ourselves from and more options to be able to defend ourselves. 
Because one of the major problems with defensive versus offensive in Path of Exile is that the amount of investment you have to do into defensives to make them worthwhile is significant. The amount of actual like tree, like just the amount of like investment you have to put into your tree and the amount of investment that you have to put into your build, your character, your items, your skill gems into defensives is significantly higher than anything that you typically have to do for damage, right? And you can't really choose both most of the time unless the character itself is specifically set up for it has joined the flock yo 12 million years less goo yo you lixus thank you for the tier one sub welcome back to the flock enjoy your big duck and knife that you can threaten this chat with thank you for the 12 months appreciate you gamer um but yeah the the fact that like your position your position on the tree matters so heavily with defensive layers, like people who are over on the right side of the tree and can interact with dodge have a very easy time right Dodge is one of the most low investment, high reward defensive options that is in the game right now. And I think there should be more things like dodge and less and, and not less of them. Yeah, I don't think dodge should be nerfed. I think there should be more things like dodge that you can invest into that doesn't take a ton of investment, right? Because like, I, I mean, if we pull up path of building, right? And you look at what you have to do to invest in dodge, right? To invest in dodge, you have to get these nodes. You can maybe go for these nodes, right? Like you can go for these nodes here, these nodes here, and then you use a quartz flask, and that is enough of a defensive layer to handle like a, a, a basic character, right? And then if you're like a raider or something like that, you know, you have an extra 15 of both just, just standard, right? Just flat all the time. You can get up to like 50 passive dodge. But the fact that you can do this few points and have like 50, 60 dodge and spell dodge almost always is good. I like that. The thing about block though, is that block's only real main way of dealing with block initially was glancing blows, right? So you could go glancing blows and there's pr plenty of nodes, but look, I, I want you to think about the amount of nodes that you need to invest in for block to be good. Like, I, I want you to think about how many actual nodes you need to invest in. Most of the time, like, say, on Creeping Frost, right? Like, if we go and we look at the Creeping Frost build from 3.14. Oh, God, so much shit. If you look at this, and then you look at the amount that you have to invest in in the cluster path here, we have to put 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 12 13 14 15 and that's not counting the travel to get there that's not counting any travel that we have to do to get to those areas right and this gets us 75 64 block yeah that's how much that we have to invest to be able to get that amount of block so the problem is is that's a lot of investment that's like easily almost 20 points on your tree of investment whereas on a dodge character it's most of the time you're going this way anyways because you're coming down here to get this. On a dodge character, it's one, two, three, four, five, maybe even six, seven, eight, and then like nine, right? And you get 20% less damage taken. You get a ton of chance to dodge and it's pure dodge, right? Yeah, keep in mind that this is, this is glancing blows, right? This is 65% of the damage taken. This is just a 35% DR. This isn't even real block, right? You take off glancing blows and I'm at 4032. Right? I'm at 4032. That's nothing. 
Like this is with this amount of investment, like using a shield with block on it and like 15 to 17 nodes, I've got less block than I would get from dodge with like six points invested, right? That's the difference. So the problem is, is that defensive layer doesn't really do very much without huge investment. And if you go say like a gladiator build, right? Like if you're trying to go a block based gladiator and you want to focus on defenses, I mean, look at the amount of nodes that just have block in it. Look at this. This is what is, ex is expected out of a block build, right? On a gladiator, you take almost all of these, right? Like all the ones that work for your build, you take them because block is, it needs so much investment. And then you look at dodge, and their similar strength. I would say dodge is more powerful than block a lot of the time. Just because the investment cost is almost nothing. Look, look at the amount of times that dodge is shown on the tree. Look at this, that's it. Oh, there's some over here. Look at this, that's it. Dodge, block. So you can see, right? You can see how like, how big of a difference it is on investment that you really need to do, right? So that's that's the problem, is that currently, those are the only two real defensive layers that feel like a defensive layer, right? However, block has the life recovery on block nodes, dodge doesn't have that, I think. Yes, that's because dodge has a wind dancer. Dodge has wind dancer. Wind dancer is just as strong as that, I feel, just in a different way. Yo, what's up, Blitz? Has joined the flock. Howdy thank you, thank you, thank gamers. you. Howdy Gamer, thank you for the Prime Game, welcome back for nine months, enjoy your big duck and knife that you can threaten the rest of the chat with, thank you, thank you, thank you Gamer. But yeah, think about it, right? Think about how much that you need to invest into to get, like, recovery on block, right? Those shields are not easy to go, uh, to get, right? Well, for dodge builds, you can get elusive passives. Okay, you can add that in, yeah, I'll agree. So, you can add in elusive, and that's it. So, you've got these three nodes... You've got this one node here, which most builds actually can't make use of. And then you've got the dodge stuff, right? So that's the idea, is that uh, block is even more overrepresented because there are two ways to block shield or dual wield. Um, so there's less choice that it seems. Can I do shield block? I, I still, I, I get what you're saying, but like, does it does it do both here? It might. I don't I don't know how syntax works in this. Shield. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because realistically, when I think of the things that are block, when I look at the block stuff that is meant for a shield, it's Let's go back actually. Let's do let's not mess with this and potentially mess up my thing. So, block. Things that are meant for a shield is we've got this, we've got this. Those are staff block. These are shield block. These are shield block. That's not shield block. These are shield block. That's dual wield block. This is shield block. I'll dual wielding or holding a shield, so that doesn't really matter. This is shield block. This is shield block. That's block and block recovery. That's shield block. This is shield block. This is shield block. Um, this is generic block. That's staff block. This is shield block. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot more shield block. Like most of it is shield block. There's some 
dual wield block, but I feel like um, you can enter shield. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to get it to work that way. There's not that much dual wheel block. Dual wheel block is much more rare. But anyways, as I was saying, I feel there needs to be more ways. Try block plus shield. I because I'm, I'm curious how that block plus shield. No. Oh, there it goes. That works. All right. I no wait. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. Actually, it does. Yeah, it does actually work. Because it's only showing block plus shield. Because some of these nodes do have both. So yeah, that does work. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That works. So does it work if I take that out? No, it has to have the plus. Okay, cool. So, all right. So we learned some syntax. Now, one of the other things that you can do, there is one more defensive layer that is at least relevant. And that is Mind Over Matter. Is phasing considered a defensive layer? It's more in, it's more involved with movement, um, but you, sort of. So uh, mana, this is one of the um, this is one of the main ways that a lot of builds that are in the top left deal with their defensives is Mind Over Matter. However, the problem is uh, Overleech is not really a defensive layer; it's a recovery layer. The problem is, is that with Mind Over Matter, you're not getting any real DR. You're just getting more life, right? Because they're, um, in post 3.15 builds, is mom able to be useful? I use it on the FR Totems build. But the problem with, the problem with Mind Over Matter is just that it is an extension of your health pool and it's not actually DR. That is the main problem. In this game, DR is very, very, very important, especially just generic DR. So if you look at block, right, like block and spell block, when you block an attack, you take zero damage from it. When you block with glancing blows, you take 65% of that damage. So with glancing blows from both attacks and spells, you have just a pure 35% DR from hits. With mana, you have no real DR, it's just extending your life pool. So typically you're having to combine this with other things to make it meaningful. The problem that a lot of people have is that previously you could use things like armor and have it at least matter somewhat because of being able to use like Molten Shell and things like that. But as it is right now, dodge synergizes so insanely well with evasion. Agnostic is a recovery layer, like I said before. We'll, we'll talk about recovery layers later. Um, but as I said, dodge synergizes so well with evasion for most of the characters that use it that it just feels like you take no damage at any time. Think about if you've ever played the Toxic Rain Raider, right? Think about how little you genuinely get hit and how little damage you genuinely take. Do you know how, <clears throat> do you know how much invested into defenses the Toxic Rain Raider is? Almost none. It's very minimal amounts like invested into defense. It's very little. It gets almost none whatsoever. I take damage. Yeah, like you you don't you don't take damage, right? Like if you have good evasion, good dodge and your character moves fast, you take almost no damage. Or dodge plus block build. The problem with going dodge and anything else is because acrobatics makes it give you 50% less of so many other things and 30% chance less to dodge or rather 30% chance less to block and 30% less energy shield and such. You can get around this in extreme circumstances. 
but it is still very, 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 very powerful to just go straight dodge and evasion, right? Because evasion will give you consistency and dodge will take care of all of the outliers. How much tankier do you think your TR Raider versus your TR Trickster is? They're different. Um, they're different. I personally feel like the Raider is more consistently defensive, but the TR Trickster can probably take bigger hits and probably recover better. So what does Ward do exactly? Ward is pretty mediocre right now. It gives you like a one-time energy shield like situation. So if you have 500 Ward and you get hit, you'll take 500 less damage once, and then it will recharge after five seconds. I think that Ward could have been good, but it needs some more work and it needs some more like continuity. I think five seconds is too long. If it was like two seconds or something like that, or three seconds or something, that might help a little bit, but it is just one hit. Is Ward Steel Skin? No, because with Steel Skin, you get a barrier of like 3000 damage, right? And you could take 50, like 30, 100 damage hits and it would absorb all of those. Um, with Ward, you're only going to be able to be hit once. I think that Ward would work well with dodge, yes. Um, the problem with it is going to be that typically evasion is most likely going to be better in those circumstances, and evasion is much easier to get than Ward. Um, so it's the only circumstance that I can realistically even think that it would be worthwhile in. But um, Ward would need to be considered a full defensive layer. It needs to be considered an equal to energy shield and armor and evasion. It needs to have support on the tree. The items need to not only drop in, what's it called? Um, it needs, it needs a lot of things. It needs a keystone, I feel like that you can invest in toward, like invest towards. It needs, it needs something, right? It needs some kind of support. I think it could be good. I think it's a good idea, but it needs some kind of support. And there probably should be like downsides to going ward, similar to the way that there are downsides to going acrobatics. Um, I, I think it needs full support on the tree. I think it needs to be like, maybe they should do something where when you take the ward node, it like reduces your dodge chance by 30%, right? It could be, it could honestly be something very similar to this, right? Because obviously the go-to if ward was powerful would be that you would combine it with dodge, right? That would be the way that you would go, right? So you wouldn't want those two to be combined. Yeah, because they would be too powerful and it would just push way too much power into the dodge side of the tree. I think that probably the node should be somewhere over here, like in this area, like maybe like here somewhere, like the node should be up here somewhere. And it just allows you to invest into that kind of thing, right? As its own thing. Um, but those are most of the real defensive layers in the game. It's only really a block and dodge. That's pretty much it when it comes to true, actual, full-on defensive layers. Beyond that, there's very little that you can realistically do. Some builds do have some things that work, but they're significantly more like difficult to invest into and not as straightforward. Is there any powerful ward flasks? One of the new ward flasks could have been good, but they completely destroyed it. Fortify? Well, Fortify's getting killed. Fortify is okay. <laughs> you forgot six portals? Yeah. The thing about Fortify is that while Fortify is good, um, it is not a... It's not the same, I would say. It's similar, but not the same, and they're they're kind of killing Fortify anyways, which is worrisome, and I hope that they replace some things with it, but, um, but yeah. All right, let's continue. 
So easier defensive options, uh, being available to more characters. This is something that I would really like. Um, we already talked about that. We already talked about that. Life mana hybrid um, and reactionary flasks. I think that this is something that should be pretty cool, like separating the flasks going from life and mana. I think that, that should be solid. Utility, pro yeah. So utility will be re uh, proactive flask. So if you have like a quartz flask, you can have a proactive defense for it. Yo, what's up, GM? So you could have like a, um, you could have a proactive defense for something. These are the ones that I tend to prefer. And then life and mana hybrid reaction would be, uh, this would be like reactive things. Like you want to remove something else from you after it's already happened. These would be things like, because you press your life and mana flask reactively already. Whereas most of the time you press your utility flasks proactively. So this synergizes very well. I think it's a very good idea. Now we already talked about that. We already talked about that. We already talked about that. Okay, big one. Very, very big one. This hard mode thing. I am split straight down the middle on my thoughts about hard mode. Um, I am very, very split straight down the middle on it. Um, I am actually leaning towards it being a very, very good thing for the game. And let me explain why. There is obviously, and you can see this by watching the podcast, you can see Chris's eyes light up like a fucking spotlight whenever he talks about this mode, right? You can see how much he just completely lights up when he's talking about this mode, right? He looked defeated and like concerned and like worried the entire podcast. But whenever he talked about this mode, you could see his eyes light up, right? You could genuinely see that. And let me explain to you why I think that this hard mode is good for the game because it is very obvious that there is a core section of GGG at the very heart of the company that really, really wants this mode. They want this game, right? And they feel that they are not getting to have their creative outlet at all because they can't have this game, okay? They feel stifled and they feel upset because they can't have this game. So putting in hard mode and balancing it in the way that they want will give them that creative outlet and it will allow them to alleviate that pain, right? If any of you are artists in any way, if you create in the chat, you will know what I mean by this in that you are going to, sometimes it feels like you need to create. It feels like you need to give something, to do something, to make something. And if you don't get to make the thing that you want, it feels bad, right? I know there's probably some artists in the chat, and if you take commissions as an artist in the chat, think about when you make art for yourself as compared to when you make art for money, and it's something that you don't like, but you know that you have to, right? So that's the difference, right? And for that very, 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 very small percentage of people who enjoy that mode, good for them. No downside to us. So. I, I feel that this is good for the team and things that are good for the team will mean that it is good for the game, right? It allows them to test these things and see how it feels and get feedback off of those things while allowing general PoE to be more of the, the Zoomy softcore fest that they want, right? I wonder if some genius employee had the brilliant idea to divert Chris and Co to their own mode and whenever they come up with a ridiculous idea, you can just say, wow, that sounds great for hard mode. 
Exactly, right? You can be like, whenever they come up with this idea that just seems brutal, you can be like, oh yeah, that sounds like a good idea for hard mode, right? Like it seems like that is the idea, right? They can have that outlet and they can have their game. Perfect, that's great. And that's good for us. Now, the concern, uh, the concern is that there are problems beyond that. Waste dev time in a mode nobody will play. Um, I do have to agree that is one of the points that I'm going to talk about, but we'll get to that. How is a mode you can't get to most of the endgame art? Shouldn't art be available to all that content that was created? Well, it will be in the normal mode of the game, right? That's the idea. It's just like, it's like SSF, right? If you are an SSF player, you're just purposefully giving yourself a harder time playing the game. You're not doing anything special. It's just that you're putting yourself on hard mode. This is like a extension of SSF, right? Are you upset that SSF is in the game? SSF has had consequences on the game, but I don't personally get upset that people play SSF. You know? All isn't available to everyone now. Yeah, that too. And this is going to alleviate some of that, hopefully, because they'll be more willing to allow that. What's up, Duck? Or not, not Ducks. I'm Ducks. What's up, Mace? So... That will give us some openness. Now, let me talk about what I think is bad about hard mode. And there's a couple things. Um, the first one that I'm going to talk about is not relevant to you guys for the most part, um, but streamers and content creators are going to feel pressured. Like some of the higher end streamers and content creators are going to feel pressured to play this mode. And I think that that's good and bad because it's going to probably cause a very small but vocal part of the community to be like, haha, you haven't killed K Katava on hard mode, on masochist mode? What are you, some kind of loser noob? Like, there's going to be people that are going to do that, and it's going to happen, I guarantee it. People are going to be expected, like, all of the hardcore, like, challenge-oriented streamers are going to be like, are going to feel like they're forced to play this mode even if they don't like it, right? Who cares? Uh, the content creators will care. Not really look at Mathel, he's playing softcore since forever and he's doing fine. Yeah, but Mathel is one of the few that goes into that realm, right? So, like I said, um, it is kind of bad for them. The other thing that it's going to be bad for is going to be something that we talked about a moment ago, and that's going to be, um, and that is going to be dev time. Now, if we believe what Chris said, and the problem is, is at this point, it's tough to sometimes. If we can believe what Chris said, then we can hopefully feel like not too much dev time will actually be invested into this mode. It doesn't feel like a mode where there's going to be a ton of things that you can realistically invest to. It seems like they're turning things off more so than creating things specifically for that. Um, so the problem is, is I can see some level of like thought space being devoted to it that could be devoted to the game. However, I feel like this is minimized just because the devs being happier will be better overall for content being produced. And if this hard mode allows them to be happier and allows them to get that fulfillment, it will be good for them. That's most of my feelings on hard mode. Um, I, I don't think that it is something you should concern yourself with too much. I don't think that if it's something that is not really exciting to you... Hey, what's up, Corey? Um, we're, we're not halfway through. We've talked about flasks, we've talked about defensive layers, and now we're talking about hard mode. Um, 
but it's not something that I think that if you are a... If it's not something that excites you, I don't think you should concern yourself with it. I don't think that it's going to matter that much to you. Um, I think that if it's something that you're excited about, then cool. But I don't feel there's many of you that will be excited to actually play this mode, if I'm going to be honest. I disagree due to how much Kriff's reference it when discussing the regular game. I think that that is part of the creative outlet not being allowed to be used. And he feels very passionately about this because that creative outlet hasn't been utilized yet, right? That outlet that he feels, like his vision that he has for the game isn't being realized. And once it starts to get realized, I think he will calm down a little bit in that regard, right? So let's move on a little bit. Not happy with the consequences of nerfing most builds, want there to be diversity. This is something I touched on briefly earlier. I think that this is a good, a very good thing for the game. This is a very good, uh, it's very good that Chris said this and that they feel this way because this was one of my main problems and I don't feel it was discussed enough on the podcast. Um, I don't feel it was... I don't feel it was given enough time on the podcast when it comes to this particular thing. I feel that this one could have used some more time because I feel this is one of the main problems with the game in that there is not enough build diversity. The only time when I felt there was any level of build diversity, um, the only time that I felt that there was any real build diversity was during like the harvest to the Harvest to Ritual era, right? The part where we were able to have that diversity simply because the tools were there to play the builds that we wanted to. And this will this will kind of like fold into my talks about Harvest and such later. But I felt that because we were given the tools to do what we needed to do to get those builds to work, we saw a significantly higher amount of diversity. And I felt that that was very good for the game. I thought that it was a very, very fun environment, right? He also says that he prefers harder content over lots of viable builds. Yeah, and that doesn't make very much sense to me because I don't think they're related that much. Um, so we'll talk about more of that later. Um, Delve catch up with map tiers, Uber demanded timeless, com timeless conflict, Uber blighted maps, new tier of Breachstone. This is all part of something that I felt was important. They did talk about this a lot. Diversity was fine in Ultimatum, could have been be better though. I don't think it was great, right? People aren't communicating correctly. It's not build diversity. It's build viability that we want. I don't care that 99% of the player base plays one build as long as I can play my build. That is true, but it's it's one of those things where it feels like you're kind of arguing semantics at that point. Because let me put it this way. the The problem is that if there are not a variety of builds that are good, people won't play them. Does that make sense? So this is something that's been a problem. Uh, I played I played, and haven't played recently though, World of Warcraft, right? And the problem is that players in general are very tribal and they're very much so following what everyone else does, right? The issue that you're going to run into is that even if all builds are possible, if there are a handful that are at the top, everyone will play those and feel like they have to play those, right? If there are a handful of builds that are just too powerful at the top, and this this is a difficult balancing issue, they're going to feel pressured into playing those. So you do want an environment where it feels like there aren't 
a significant amount of builds that are just so much worse than everything else that you can't actually complete the content with them, right? Because that's not a balancing issue, that's a community issue. No, that's a human nature issue. Um, the problem, let me put it this way, right? If there are five builds that you can kill Uber Elder with, if there are five builds that you can kill Serious Awakener 8 with, and 20 that you can't, I'm talking about just some random person, right? Say you are random average player Andy, okay? And there are five builds that you can kill the boss with, and then there's like 15 that you can't kill the boss with, right? Which one are you going to play? If you, are you going to play the build that almost always is going to not allow you personally to complete all the content in the game? Or are you going to play the build where you can actually experience content, right? I think and know that most people are going to play the one where they can actually experience the content. And that's where the problem arrives, yeah? Is that if because of your skill level or anything else, sure. There are people who have killed Awakener 8 Cirrus with default melee attack, right? Default melee attack. It's been done. You can't really use that as an argument so that every single build is viable, right? Because for the vast majority of people, not every single build is viable. And the problem right now is that I, I'm kind of talking in hyperbole right now. A lot of builds aren't viable into red maps let alone like the end game bosses, right? A lot of builds are not even viable into red maps. They're not, some aren't even viable into like high tier yellows some of the time, right? There are builds that just don't make it there. And no matter what level of investment you realistically do, they don't really make it there. And that's the problem. But moving on, we, we talked about that one enough. Let's talk about this. So delve catch up with map tiers and all of the Uber content. Delve catch up with map tiers. This is something that I thought that they should have done literally forever ago. Um, it's something that has been... <laughs> I wondered why it wasn't this way in the first place, right? I I, I thought it was weird that th this wasn't a thing in the first place, right? This is good. I, I don't know. It, it took way, 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 way too long, right? All right, so all of the Uber stuff. Uh, this is the direction that I would have liked to see them go instead of the way that they went. So I talked about in my video how I was saying that there needs to be content for high-end players to do, right? For the very high-end players, there needs to be content that they feel is only really doable by them. The stuff that is the absolute peak of the game. I'm not talking about the first time you kill Cirrus. I think that the goal should be that with a decent amount of time and attention invested, you should be able to kill Cirrus, the first Cirrus. I think the goal of the balance of the main game should be that you can kill Cirrus on Awakener 5 with a decent amount of investment, right? Think about how long it would take you to do something along the lines of like complete a relatively difficult game, right? Think about the amount of time that it would take you to complete. I'm not going to say Dark Souls because that's not fair. Just something like a, a, a regular game, right? I think that with investment of time and effort, you should be able to kill that Cirrus. I'm not saying that everyone should be doing uh, Awakener 8 Uber Elder, Awakener 8 Cirrus, Awakener, you know, like Awakener 8 Super Yellow Juice Feared maps, right? I'm not saying that everyone should be able to do that. I think that it should be available to more people than it is right now. 
but I don't think that everyone should be able to do that, right? Leave some content at the very super top end of the game for these people, but at least make it available so that people can see just the, the finality of the story, right? Because essentially the story realistically ends at killing Cirrus, right? That's where the story ends. And I think that it should push more towards people being able to get there, right? And right now, the vast majority of people cannot get there for multiple reasons. And we'll talk about some of them later um, as we move down this list. But I think giving these options for high-end players and giving aspirations for medium-tier players to go towards is a very, very positive thing instead of nerfing absolutely everything to the point where only the top-end players can even play the game effectively is not the right way to go about it. I think that you should give more content for those higher end players, but allow the lower tier players to at least complete the game, right? Katava's not the end of the story. Sirius is the end of the story right now. That's just the way that it's going at the moment. There's more story after Katava. Only releasing good uniques. I don't believe this. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a hundred percent honest with you, chat. I don't believe this for a second. I I genuinely just don't believe that this is going to happen because they have not shown in ever that this is possible for them. Why, why would you go out of your way to release a significant amount of bad uniques, right? We have tons of those and they, in, they invent and create items. Like let's look at, uh, expedition league POE. We have the fandom page updated. Is there unique items? Oh god, it's completely fucked. Uh, where's the list of expedition uniques, Pewie? Maybe VHPG? Alright. So, look at this, right? These are the uniques that got released. Let's let's just talk about them real quick. And the, the uniques that got released during Expedition League, right? These are the ones we got. Cadigan's Crown. Never deal critical strikes and gives you Battle Mage. That's all that this item does. Never deal critical strikes and gives you Battle Mage. Wh why? Why does it need this line? Couldn't you just make it like you'd have less crit chance? Or something like that? Like, why does it have this line? Because it, it has nothing else. It has nothing else. Expedition has uniques, yeah, has, has a couple. It doesn't need to have that line. Elixir of the Unbroken Circle. I mean, increased duration, 0% reduce, why is that there? Recover 4% of life per endurance charge on use, lose all endurance charges on use, gain one endurance charge per second during flask effect. I think that this is okay. Um, for a build that uses a lot of endurance charges, I actually think that this is okay, right? It's not terrible. Um, it gives ward, which is whatever, it doesn't really matter. Our crits don't do extra damage. Yeah, something like that, right? So that you can at least make this work because never deal critical strikes means that this doesn't work with elemental with elemental overload, right? Like if this was just, if, if this worked with elemental overload, it probably would be uh, a very good helmet for certain builds, right? But this doesn't work with elemental overload. So you're basically just losing elemental overload for no reason here. The Elixir of the Unbroken Circle um, is... 
It's okay for a build that has like nine endurance charges. You'd get nine times four, you know, percentage of your life back every single time. I mean, that's decent, right? Like it's like a third-ish of your life every use. For for people who have a ton of life, that's not bad, right? I did test where I use Battle Mage's Cry with Catagon's Crown. My thinking was that Battle Mage's Cry gives you your weapon damage without its spell damage. Battle Mage's Cry gives you increased, decreased spell damage without a weapon damage, but it doesn't let you double dip like that. That's kind of unfortunate. And then moving on. Faith Guard. Um, increased Ward. Okay. Faster Restoration of Ward. Okay. Increases reductions to maximum energy shield instead of apply to Ward. Ward is just a trash mechanic right now, so this doesn't actually do anything. In the future, I mean, maybe there's potential that this line could be build enabling, but right now it doesn't. It doesn't do anything at the moment, right? And that's the problem, is that we got nothing really useful for Ward. And then we got Medveg Challenge. 800% um, increased attribute requirements. 80% less flash charges gained from kills. Flash gain one charge per second if you've hit a unique enemy recently. So you pop these on. Never. It, what's the use case for these? So that you can have flash charges during a boss? during an extended boss i mean and you need 342 of all of, what builds have that many of all of those stats how many builds do you know have that many of all stats is is there almost any there's very few i feel like a build that's using astramentus would have those stats maybe right moving on night grip Increase Ward Chaos Resistance, gain added Chaos Damage equal to 25% of Ward. Okay. Um, how much Ward can you realistically get if all of your gear goes into it? Like, maybe a couple hundred? The so 25% of that would be... Say you could get 500 Ward. Maybe if you increased all of them together, you could get 1,000 Ward. So you could get 250 added Chaos Damage. Um, I know a Wand that does that. And then you lose it as a defensive layer, essentially. Ulroth's Charge. Increased Ward. Yeah, whatever. Slower Restoration of Ward. Why? It's already so slow. Gain three. Gain Adrenaline for three seconds when Ward breaks. I mean, that's the coolest one so far, to be honest with you. This is the coolest one so far because it gives you Adrenaline, but it's only for three seconds. So you go three seconds up, two seconds down. Check POB there, guys, with 1k Ward. Yeah, so if 1k is the limit, 250 out of Chaos Damage is cool, but having to invest that much into Ward to get there? I don't know, man. Alright, and um, Ulroth's Resolve. This is the one, this is the flask that could have made Ward good. This could have been a chase item that made Ward good. The problem is, is that for some fucking reason they decided to add that line to it. And I don't, I don't understand it. Ward does not break during flask effect. Could have made this flask chase worthy. It could have made this like a 5 exalt flask. It could have been good. It could have been... Uh, somewhat enabling of an archetype of actually using ward at the moment. 70% less ward? If that was like 20 or 30, sure, might have been useful. But 70% less ward during flask effect? Keep in mind, this just means like 70% less ward in general, right? And then we've got uh, Starlight's Chalice. Um, inflict fire, cold lightning exposure nearby enemies. Who cares? You can get that very easily. And then, you know, increase the effect of non-damaging ailments. I mean, I guess it's cool. Usurper's Penance. Uh, 
I mean, this seemed like it could have been okay. I don't know if people are actually using this. This is one of the few ones that people are like, oh yeah, this could have actually been good because of damage over time multiplier for bleeding uh, from frenzy charges. That flask kills your ward within a flask effect. Yeah, it's like, it's like minus, it has like negative synergy with flasks. Like this one seems like it could be okay. Do people use this? Usurper's Penance? Point one percent. So yeah, I mean, it seemed like it could be okay, but Verana's March has no sockets. Triggers level summon twenty summon arbalist when equipped. Increase movement speed, and then they like do cold exposure, intimidate, and physical damage. Has anyone even messed around with this yet? I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen anything about this. It has no sockets, so you can't support them with anything. And then we have the last ward flask. Uh, debilitate nearby enemies for two seconds when flask effect ends. Pretty much useless. Flask effect is removed when ward breaks. Culling strike during flask effect. I mean, you can get culling strike elsewhere. This just seems garbage. I don't understand the point of this. So, it, yeah, it's like those are all the uniques that we got in Expedition. Not a single one of these makes me think like, damn, that's a cool item that I want. I literally want zero of these. I, I can't think of a single one that, that means anything to me, right? So I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not really buying this one. I, I would be impressed if this happened. I would be happy with this happened. I don't think it's going to happen. Genuinely, I just don't. Um, they want to move towards more specific way to drop items. I, when I wrote this down, I think I actually got this wrong because listening later on in the podcast, it was concerning to me. It was very concerning to me how much Chris looked confused when everyone was telling him that they wanted boss farming and items like to drop from specific places. Why he looked so confused. It... It very much concerned me because he could not understand at all why everyone was like, yeah, yeah, I want them to drop from this place or this place. He's like, he's like, what, what, what do you mean? It, it was very, very, very concerning. And it kind of opened up my, my idea on that. Chris in his vision has this like feeling that you should be going for these. He thinks that like a mirror is a chase item. I've played this game for 10 years. Off and on, a lot of the time I've played it, substan like a substantial amount of my life has been spent on it. I've never seen a mirror drop, ever once. A 10 year chase is not a chase item. A 10 year chase is like, is uh, I don't even know what to attribute it to. It's like trying to find fucking Atlantis, right? Doesn't exist in my opinion. You can expect playing this game constantly to maybe drop like, in 10 years, if you're lucky, you might find one mirror. But everyone on the podcast was like, yeah. And I think Ziggy said this best. He's like, yeah, I want to be able to chase an item, but to chase an item, I kind of need to know where it is, right? And I think that that like completely succinctly summed up my feelings on it. If you want to chase an item, you need to know where that item is. It can't just be out there, right? It, you need to know where you're chasing. And I honestly feel that Headhunter lost some of its 
And his only examples for chase items were Mirror and Headhunter? Yeah, I know. that. that we can talk about that in a second. I, I feel that moving Headhunter into the general drop pool actually devalued its like mysticism with the community. Do you guys agree with that? I feel like the fact that it can drop anywhere now actually kind of took away from some of the mystique of the item. I feel it made it worse. Because the the idea behind Headhunter is that you knew where you were going for it, right? It was more likely to drop in a specific area before, but instead what we have now, Headhunter drops significantly less. You can't go out of your way to try to farm the Headhunter. It just drops anywhere now, right? You can't really Ancient Orbit as easily anymore. You can't chance it as easily anymore because if you guys don't know if you don't know they reduce the chance to be able to obtain it because now it's available anywhere before you could go out of your way specifically to push towards that item and you could go into nemesis maps and you could farm ancient orbs and you could farm chance orbs and you could farm currency to build up to it and you could go for it now how do you go for a headhunter I like badge being affordable. I think that badge being affordable is good because it's build enabling, right? Um, it's 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 a tough topic because headhunter is not build enabling. It's just one of those items where it's just like it just does something huge, right? I don't like headhunter. I don't think it's a good item. Oh, that's not true. I don't think it's a fun item. It's a good item. I don't think it's a fun item. But the problem that I have is that when I really think about it, when you move all of these items that are supposed to be chase items into just the general drop pool, it devalues their, their the feeling of going for them, right? Because the thing about it is that I don't think that something like Badge of the Brotherhood should have been of high of a tier of chase item as it was. I think that it should have been more common, but leave it where it was at, right? Like if I, cause, cause think about this, right? If you're, if you are a solo cell phone player or you prefer to just farm and grab things yourself, then moving things into the general drop pool makes it significantly harder for you to get them just because it's random now. It would be like playing an SSF and you trying to get cold iron points. It's not easy. You can chance them if you want to, but you can't go out of your way to get them, right? Think about if cold iron points were like a drop off of Azaro or something, right? And then it's like, okay, so he has a, a slightly higher chance to drop that item and I can go and farm and go specifically for it. And I think a lot of people like that style of gameplay, you know, being able to know that there is a destination out there on the horizon and be able to move towards it, right? I'm just using, I'm just using that as a example, Zulitz. I don't, don't take it specifically, right? What's a good COC build? I don't know right now. COC got pretty nerfed, nerfed pretty hard, but, um, but it feels good to, as Ziggy said, I think it was very succinct. It's that, yes, we want to be able to chase an item, but you need to know where it's at to be able to chase it. So I think that leaving those items in the areas that they are um, would have been better and making it like things like Badge of the Brotherhood dropping a little bit more frequently would have been the way to go about that, right? Instead of instead of annihilating the price of them by just putting into the general drop pool, just make it drop a little bit more frequently where it's at. I think with the PoE2, they don't want people to have to go back to PoE1 content once PoE2 is done, but is that the case they could have waited for that change? Is there... Is there any content in the PoE1 campaign 
that you couldn't find in maps besides Azaro. Is there is there anything? Because most of the bosses in the game that you could farm, for example, are available in the end game. It would be as simple in PoE2 as the making a map with Azaro as the boss. I'm surprised they haven't done that yet, actually. We have the 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 goddess that sits on his back. Lastly, I had three CIP before I gave up farming for a death oath. Yeah. I I don't think there's um I don't think there are any I don't think there's any content particularly that isn't in there. Unique jewels? That would be very easy to just push into the just push into the like somewhere else, right? Just repeat those if people wanted them. Going to Chris mindset for a moment, what's a good reason for wanting a general loot pool? Because he's not crazy. Because Chris envisions the idea that loot that uh these high super insane high tier items should just drop randomly. That only one person in like ten thousand should ever find them. That's the idea that he wants. Is I have winter with Hydrosphere good? Some people say that there's a spell slinger. I think um I don't know how to say his name. Joe How the fuck do you say his name? Jungroan made a build. I saw a video by him the other day uh, talking about like an Eye of Winter Spellslinger. And that seemed like it was an interesting, um, it seemed like an interesting, like a interesting uh, interaction. So I think it might be expensive just because it's Spellslinger right now in a time that Spellslinger is <laughs> questionable. But uh, I think that it's probably good. But the BIS items can't even drop, they're crafted. Yeah, so we'll talk about that later. So don't worry, we'll get to that topic later. Um, so let's let's continue down, because I think that's most of what we can talk about when it comes to unique items. What was that thing that Corey said? His only examples for chase items were mirror. Yes, that, that was the last thing I want to talk about in this. Um, I think that the problem with Chris's ideology there is that he could only think of two even chase items that exist those are the only ones he could think of i could think of a third one right the third one being like a good watcher's eye um but beyond that i can't think of any real chase items that i would want to like push towards for something right i can't think of very many all right that was the last thing that i really wanted to talk towards um they won't rely on splinters going forward Voices? Sure. Actually, voice, voices is okay. Uh, voices is okay. Bottled Faith? Bottled Faith got nerfed. It's not that great anymore. It's not like something that you would go out of your way for. I, I genuinely... It is very, very hard for me to believe this. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be honest with you, chat. This is one of the things... This is one of the things, one of the few things on this, including like only releasing good uniques. This is very, very hard for me to believe. Insanely hard for me to believe because they've said this many times before. Did they say no splinters? What Chris said is that going forward, they will not randomly implement splinters unless it is like necessary, unless it is something that they feel is integral to the content. He said that they will find better ways to go about that than splinters because they literally added 20 splinters this patch 20 chat 20 splinters a ridiculous amount of splinters it's insane how many splinters that they added 20 splinters so what they said is they won't rely on them going forward i don't believe that 
It's a very, very simple thing to do, and because of how much they spread themselves thin, I would love to see this. He can't he can't promise they won't use them at all. Yeah, I know that's what he said. Um I I I would hope that they do this where they only add the splinters when they're necessary. I'm not I'm not believing this one. Until I see action on this one, I'm not believing this one at all. Plan to merge splinter drops. I think they will do this. I think it's something they should have done forever ago. Very simple in my mind. Take all the splinters that could drop from, say, like a breach, put them all up into one pile, and then if there's multiple people in the map, have them drop in split stacks. That's it. That's all you have to do. It's not hard. I think they'll do it. I think it'll be fine. Um, I do think that they will do this, though. This is a very easy thing, and I think that they should. Changing the drop rate of currency and make it drop in larger stacks. Um, I have been saying this for a very long time. This is something that I'm sure chat can, like, vouch for me on. I, I've said this specific exact thing more than once over, the, over my time in streaming. I have said that if they want to reduce the clicking of picking up currency and such, just make the items drop less frequently and make them drop in higher stacks. I also liked the idea that Chris talked about when he talked about bands. And what he meant by that, I think, is that he was talking about in certain areas as you get up higher into the game, like one band would be the first five acts, another band would be the second five acts, and then white maps, yellow maps, red maps, etc. I like the idea that the stacks grow as you go further in that, because a wisdom or a portal scroll drop in act one means significantly more than a wisdom or portal scroll drop in maps. It means nothing. If I saw one wisdom scroll drop in a map, that's not even going to be something that I see because it's going to be loot filtered out. If I saw 10 wisdom scrolls drop in a map, I might pick that up, honestly. Wisdom scrolls aren't infinite. If I saw 10 Wisdom Scrolls drop at once, I might pick it up, genuinely. Same thing with Portal Scrolls, right? So this is something that just is just obvious to me. It's something that I'm surprised that they didn't do forever ago. I don't know if there's some kind of, like, limitation on, on this. I don't like their stubbornness against abolishing Wisdom Scrolls together. Yeah, I'll, we can talk about that. I feel that Chris was misunderstanding what they were saying. I felt this was one of the few things that they should have pushed Chris harder on because they, they pushed him a little bit and they gave up when he still didn't understand is what it felt like to me, right? Because um, what they said is they, they didn't like the idea of the wisdom scroll and I think Chris took that as in removing the idea of an item that identifies your item, right? Um, Ziggy touched on that a little bit because he was asking and I think that was the problem is he said, well, what if they just made it so you could right click it? And I think that's what he locked onto because... The way that I think that it should be is instead of having wisdom scrolls, why can't we just have like, I don't know, you, you guys remember how Diablo did it, right? A book? Why can't we have just like a stone of wisdom, right? And you can use that stone of wisdom for unlimited identifications. You can have a spot in your currency tab that does it, and then you can have a like thing in your, a thing in your character panel, right? Like your item panel that you just click it and then you can identify whatever you want. It doesn't take up an item slot. Like it, you do not need an item slot for it, right? I think that that would make sense and there's no, you don't lose anything, right? But Diablo 2 is Chris's default answer. Yeah, I know. I think that, um, I think that it, clicking each item is fine. They want that. It's obvious they want that and they won't move away from it, but I think that that was the misunderstanding. If we could have like 
like if we could get i don't know like just like a little thing let me pull up the game here i'll, I'll show you what i mean oh yeah i was testing i was testing what's it called um uh the spinny the hammered in ability and i wasn't impressed why is your loading so fast because i have a good computer um so what my idea would be is you know how there's like a high trinket right here right what if you make two little boxes right here what if you make two little boxes right here and those boxes were a wisdom stone and a portal stone and then you click the wisdom stone and you identify everything or if you want to portal to town you click right there i i don't feel like in in 2021 2020 plus whatever i don't feel like we need these items anymore i don't actually feel like they're useful i feel like they're more of a pain right we i i I just don't feel like we need those items anymore. I, I don't think that we do. Um, so yeah, that's my thoughts on the drop rate of currency. It's very obvious that this should happen. It's like blatantly obvious in my brain that this should happen. Like, I don't know why it's taken so long. It's gotta be some kind of like uh, programming overcome, like, some, some, like something that they have to overcome in, in their programming or something, right? I don't really get it. They want to de-old the UI. I said this in my video, and uh, I don't know, man. We've never, I don't think we've ever got a meaningful update to the UI. Like genuinely, I don't think we've ever gotten an update to the UI that was meaningful in any manner. Have they ever moved things around or changed the location of information in the UI like the HUD? Has that ever realistically happened? I don't think it has, right? Like, I think it's been the same since day one. For consoles, yeah, I'm talking about uh, for computer. We had a semi-meaningful one for 3.0. So I, I, I don't think that they have... I don't think that they have ever meaningfully changed it. But making Portal Wisdoms take out Transmute Smith's armors out of the game, so they should stay there. Transmute Smith's armors all have points in the game, though. They have reasons, right? Um... It would be nice if you didn't have to, like, sell those, because I'm going to be honest with you, it feels fucking stupid that the main use of my armor scraps and my, like, blacksmith's whetstones is to create wisdom scrolls. I'm going to be honest with you, it feels real dumb. Kind of think they're scared to change the information layout. Well, they, they've told us the, um... They've told us the reason for why they don't want to change the UI and is because they want the game to be iconic and they want people to recognize, oh, that's PoE. I agree with that in some manner, but I think there are, I think, well, we'll go back into the game again. I don't know why I even closed it in the first place, but um, the, the thing about it is, is that for me, the iconic bit of PoE involves two things. The iconicness of PoE is this health globe and this mana globe, and that's it. They, those are the only two iconic things is this health globe and this mana globe. That's it. I don't think the buff and shit up here, I don't think anything that, that spawns up here, right? I don't think any of this is iconic. I think it's all dumb. I think all of this is dumb. Why? Why do we not move any of this like down here somewhere, right? Like we got a whole bunch of empty space right here. Why don't we move it down there or something? Uh, I guess we can't because streamers put their camera like, I mean, you know, it's like I gotta be right here because this is the only open space in the entire goddamn game. But why don't we move it down here, right? In modern UIs nowadays, 
you typically are able to move your stuff around just so you can optimize where you look, right? Because I, I do feel like it's a concern in, in games like WoW with weak auras and stuff where the min-maxing of it is that you can only see this much of your character at any given time and you literally have your entire other UI surrounded by stuff. But it's because it's what efficient, right? It's what's, it's what's efficient. Um, I would like to see more... I would like to see more of this stuff, right? You see this little bar on top of the character? Can we get more investment into making this look better? I don't give a fuck, honestly. I, I genuinely don't care about any of this stuff. Any of this stuff. I don't care about any of this. Like, none of it. None of it matters to me. Can we get more on this? Can I get more information here? That would be ideal. I want more information here, right? If I'm frozen, give me a little box, a blue box right here that lets me know that I'm frozen. If we get ignited, give me a little tiny box here that tells me that I'm ignited, shocked, poisoned. Can, can I get something like that, an option at least? Don't make it basic, but allow me to choose to have it, right? Uh, like, just, just let me know that I'm fucking ailmented. Just let me know. You know you're frozen when you die? I mean, true. Let me know that I have ailments on. Just the easy shit. Just let me know that I'm at least... I have some kind of ailment on me. A WoW Arena UI? Something like that, right? Just just something. I want a screen effect. I think a screen effect might be... I said that before, but I think it might be, um, it might be too much. How do you like the console UI in comparison? Hmm... I mean, this is good because they're they're localizing things. Like, I like this area, right? I like the fact that we get mana and stuff up here, but it doesn't necessarily solve the problem that I still have to look up in the corner. Um, this is just necessary because of the way that PoE is set up, and this looks the same. If we're talking about specifically this, I mean, I don't think this looks pretty. I think this was like done like dirty. I don't think this looks pretty. Like it doesn't look nice. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of this in particular. Um, I would rather see options for having stuff over my character. Like I'd rather have stuff here, right? I, I'd much rather have stuff like above my character's head because that's where I'm looking, right? Um, this is effective to an extent, but I would rather have it here and not have this space taken up. Because honestly, with the way and the perspective that PoE is set in, this area is prime real estate. These bits of area on the screen are prime real estate. There's a reason why I turn this off and I turn as much of the buffs and debuffs off as I can because this top area here is prime visual real estate, right? You can't see, like if Dominus was up here, right? Like you're running into the zone, you walk up towards Dominus and you have this up here, you can't fucking see him. I would prefer it to be down towards the bottom because of the perspective of the game. Like your thoughts on how you feel about the future of PoE? What's up, gamer? I would like it to be little, simple, clean, and above your character. That's what I would like. Would those character effects above the character be hard to see with all the flashy MTX they want people to buy? I don't think they think about how flashy MTX is. I just think about they probably make it to look nice so that people will buy it and then stare at their pretty character. I don't think they think about how it plays in game very much. All right, controller experience for PoE. Um, I'm surprised this isn't in the game yet, to be honest with you. 
Um, I'm, I'm very surprised that this isn't in the game yet. Kind of confused. I, I think it should have been in there a while back because there's a ton of people who I know would prefer to play on computer, but mouse and keyboard hurts their hands. Um, and then there are people who are disabled or have disabilities who would like to play on computer and they can't. They have to play on console because they have no other real choice. Um, yeah, so you can see HP and mana bars on character, but not freeze effects on character. I would ideally like it to have that little bar above your character show ailments and show um, life, mana, and energy shield in an effective way. All right, Fortify. Fortify is the only thing they could even think of that was a nerf. I'm going to hold Chris to this one because I think he was being hyperbolic here. I, I think that this is this is kind of a lie <laughs> or an exaggeration. I genuinely don't believe this is the only thing that they're going to do that they can think of that's a nerf in 3.16. There's got to be other stuff. Let's talk about Fortify in general. So Fortify in general um, is going to be nerfed quite hard for builds that aren't just random melee builds using it. So if you're a build like... You know what? Did they talk about... Um, did they talk about how Fortify would work for characters who have lots of small hits? Did they talk about that? Or did he just say how hard you hit is what mattered? Because I think that the way it should work is that Fortify should be something where you are stacking it up he said how hard you hit. No, they didn't have a definite plan there yet. I know none of this is definitive, right? Um, I feel like the way that it should work is that if you're hitting hard and slow, you should still be able to make use of it. Or if you're hitting, um, hitting soft and fast, you should still be able to make use of it, right? I think that hopefully, hopefully, if you say hit one time per second, you get the same amount of fortify as if you hit five times per second for 20% of that damage. I know the purpose of it is that they don't want random builds like the totem build, right? So for example, um, the totem build that I'm playing has fortify built into shield charge. They don't want that, right? They don't want people hitting for zero damage and then getting fortify off of it. I get that. But what about the builds that don't hit super hard, but hit very fast, but are still attack builds? That's what I wonder about. Hopefully they will account for that because it seems like an unnecessary nerf to an archetype that already isn't really good right now because very fast hitting melee builds are already kind of trash at the moment, um, like strike type builds and things like that. Uh, and this is an unnecessary nerf for Cyclone as well, which Cyclone got a shitload of nerfs this league and it doesn't need more at this point. So yeah, um, the Alk and Chaos Craft being combined, this was for Harvest. Um... This was a mention for Harvest, right? This was something that they did that they wanted to change for Harvest. And I think that this is fine. Uh, I think that this will unfortunately make us see even less lines on Harvest plants, which is really sad. And we'll talk about Harvest. We'll talk about deterministic crafting and all of that here in a moment. I want to finish out the rest of these just little notes that I took. They said that they're going to make Veiled easier to unlock. They said that they will make veiled options easier to unlock. That's very exciting for me because I hate the unveiling system. I think it's dumb. Um, I don't like it at all. I don't like the way that it's set up at all. I think that it should be way, 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 way easier to unlock shit. This is good. Hopefully they stick to their guns. They want to make parties more interesting. This was something that potentially 
I was very excited about, but they gave us no concrete answers, so I can't I can't be more than cautiously optimistic. Um, what they tied this into was they were talking about Orbots. They were talking about how uh, currently the only way that you can realistically party is that you have one person doing the damage on single target, one person doing the clear, one person doing like the looting. Well, everyone can kind of loot. And then you have one person supporting, well, you have two people supporting, and then you have one MF character, right? That's the main six-man party. And the problem is, is that most of the time, it's one guy doing damage and everyone else just running behind them. If you've ever played this game um, with, like, say, uh, I don't know, like, have you ever have you ever played this game with a friend and you run around and you just try to follow someone who's going faster than you? Do you actually get to play the game, right? Like, do you actually ever really get to play the game? Because, like, when you're playing with multiple people, typically the person having fun is the one going fastest and the one killing fastest, right? Unless you're going support or something like that, you don't really get to have fun unless you are the one killing the fastest and going the fastest, right? So the problem is, is that they want to make it so that there are more interesting options for people to do instead of just being like uh ran there's like a curse bot there's a aura bot there's single target build there's clear build mf build and then whatever else right instead of just doing those particular things you want to have more options however they had no concrete ideas and i can't think of any concrete ideas to be perfectly honest with you i can't think of anything off the top of my head where it would make party play more fun or more interesting. I I can't think of anything. Like, I don't know. I, I'm really trying to think right now of ways that they could do it. I can't think of anything. I have hope now, but I get the feeling that while the direction gets better, it will probably not be enough positive changes for 3.16. As Chris said multiple times, some changes will only make it to 3.17, specifically the last point with the rare mobs. Yeah, um, I said that I'm going to give it until 3.17 to see meaningful change before I really make my decision on what I want to do with this game. Um, I, I said that I was going to give them until then. Thanks for Poison BV Guide. Made it to 95 with all the expensive items I wanted. Also reached Pee Wee Ninja, currently highest Poison BV character there is. Nice, dude. Congrats. But yeah, I, I don't, I, I can't think of any meaningful ways that they could make party player better. I don't know. Um... Some things that I don't want to forget about is the Atlas changes, 100 maps, uh, half watchstones, deterministic crafting. Those are things I don't want to forget about because I didn't take notes on them. Um, completely replace all rare mods with more visually obvious ones. Talk about it in a minute, BLS. I, I just wrote them down. So, completely replace all rare mods with more visually obvious ones. I think that this was... One of the more important things, um, I think one of the more important things, uh, when it comes to the game in general was this, this, this talk, this, this moment, this mention is that right now, one of the major problems that I have with the game is that there are these just random situations where almost forced by the devs, I don't remember who said it, uh, was it? 
I think it was Noogie, right? Was Noogie the one that said that like they designed situations where you would be forced into this area with like 15 auras and all of the different stuff would just explode in your face? With only 100 maps on 100 completion, would that be only plus one level of maps would mean that higher tier maps would become more rare? They'd, they'd balance it around the fact. It would just be percentage, like, percentagely converted to it. So if you get like 168% now, they would just make it be the same, like with just math. Yeah, Noogie said that heist is an example. Yeah, so I think that a lot of problems come from the fact that the only... The only modifiers in the game right now that you actually know exist when you see them are auras. Auras are important, but the one that I particularly commented on is Corrupting Blood, right? If you are in a very, say you're in like a very high tier map or something, right? And your build's not really set up super well to deal with Corrupting Blood and you don't have a Corrupting, a, like a Corrupting Blood immunity jewel, because those aren't super easy to get. Um, they aren't, they aren't super easy to get. And the thing about it is that I feel that if they give us more visual modifiers, like if we could see some kind of noticeable effect on a character, on a yellow enemy that says, hey, that's got corrupting blood, I would have enough time to be able to react to that, right? I have a good reaction time. My reaction speed's quite good. I can react when I'm focusing and paying attention. I can but the problem is, is that when everything on the screen is just going like this at all times, and it's just going and going and going and going and going and going and going, it's very hard to be like, all right, there's a mob. Let me look at it, see what mods it's got. So I'm looking down here at a mob that's running at me, right on the bottom left, yeah? Like I'm, I'm down here on the bottom left looking at a mob, right? I'll use my camera as an example here. It makes it easier. So I'm looking here, right? Like I'm looking on my screen here, and, you know, like, the, the thing about it is I look at it and I'm like, all right, I got a mouse over this mod, then my eyes go up here, and I have to, like, look up into the middle of the screen, I'm like, okay, so it's got corrupting blood, and then I look back down, and then I have to move my character over here, and it's just like, by that time you're dead, right? Either the mob has killed you because you haven't killed them, or you are, like, having 10 corrupting blood stacks and you're dead instantly if you don't have the flask up, right? It's, it's so annoying because you're like looking like this constantly trying to see where everything is and it, it's just not enough time. If you could know without having to mouse over the mob that it had a dangerous effect like corrupting blood, then it would be okay. I think it would be fine. If that mob was like glowing red, I think it would be okay, right? Like a big red, like significant glow, right? That would be good. Um, so this is very, this is something that I think is very important for the future of the game. I think this allows more skill into the game instead of it being knowledge. It is skill and knowledge at the same time. Did Chris really talk about the new in-game in 3.17? Yes. Uh, 3.17 is the expected time that we'd get the Atlas changes. This is always the issue with mob mods. It's always better to just kill the mob and never know what modifiers it had. Exactly. That's the problem. Is that right now the game is set up in a way to reward people for killing monsters extremely fast in every fashion that is the only thing that matters because even if your build is insanely defensive we've seen people who play literal just hardcore like tank builds get one shot by shit there's very few even like top end hardcore streamers that can survive this shit right the name that comes off, like, comes to mind is, like, Alkaiser, right? Like, I think of, like, Alkaiser and, like, I'm Exile and, like, 
no other names come to my mind, at least most of the time, of people who just almost never die because they literally just play hardcore fucking super tank builds. But most other people, even if they're playing, like, very, very heavy tank builds, they still die occasionally, right? Like, they still die. So, it, we, we need to have more ability for skill expression, and this will give us that. Lighty? Yeah, that's a good idea. The one shot, uh, or that's a, that's a good example. The, um, the one shots and high spike damage out of nowhere are my biggest issue with the game. Yeah, so we can, we can move this here. Talked about killing monsters off screen, but not monsters killing you off screen. This was something that they missed. I think that this was something that I wish they would have talked about. And I, if you guys were here, like with me, like watching the thing, I was like yelling this because I'm like, I don't give a fuck about killing mobs off screen. That feels fine. I'm talking about when a monster kills me from off screen. When there's some fucking random little blue monster off in the distance and I get one shot by a single projectile from off screen and I have no idea what happened and I never learn, it pisses me off. When I know that my build has decent defensive layers and I just get killed and I can't see it at all, it pisses me off, dude, like completely. Like, I don't understand it. Give me one second. All right, sorry. I had to check something. Uh, okay. So, um, the, uh, the, it, 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 like, completely, it completely blows my mind when that shit happens and it pisses me off. And I, I really wish they would have pushed a little bit harder on that point. Um, I, I wish they would have pushed a little bit harder on that point because they really didn't. They they really genuinely didn't push it at all, and I was I was I was pretty upset with that. So I'm hoping um I'm I'm really hoping that one of the people who talked to them pushed that point, and I think that Gazzy might, because I do remember uh vanilla. I do remember him saying about how I don't mind not one-shotting stuff, just don't let them one-shot me. I, I do agree with that. Is the serious monsters appearing in maps going to disappear in the upcoming changes? All right, actually think this. I think that serious showing up in maps is a good thing. I think it's a good thing for game design. I think maybe, um, I think maybe the implementation of it is poor, but the idea behind it is very solid, and it's very solid for for quality like big brain game design. Okay, and the reason for that is that because if you are it typically the best way to teach someone is by giving them experience with a lesser version of it first, right? Um, so for example, as most things in life, right? You're not just going to, if you're, if you're working out, you're not just going to go get up under a bar and squat 500 pounds, right? You can't do that. You have to incrementally work your way up to it. You have to experience a lighter version of it first and slowly incrementally increase the amount of difficulty of it, right? So with Cirrus, if you're just randomly thrown, like think about like back before when Cirrus was initially brought into the game, right? For someone that's a streamer, it, it's it's fine, right? Like it's 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 cool. But imagine that you're a new player and you're not that great of a player and you see Cirrus for the first time and you have six chances to kill this boss, right? You got six. Six portals is your main defensive layer. You go in there and you have no fucking clue what's going on and you die to every ability first and you learn almost nothing, right? 
you just learned that you died. That's all that you've realistically learned, okay? You walk in there and Cirrus does some big beam thing like this and goes boom and then you explode and you die and then he does something else and then you die and you do something else and then you die. And it's so difficult for you to learn because you have such a limited experience with the abilities, right? This would be fine if it's something where it's a high-end aspirational content that you're not meant to get to for everyone, but Cirrus is part of the main story. So putting Cirrus into the map and giving you experience with his abilities that he used, like the stars falling onto the ground and him doing like the big charge beam where he goes like that and then explodes, seeing that and knowing how those abilities work before you get there is good game design because it allows you to learn on an easier version with less a risk to it, right? It allows you to learn like the key notes that you should know, like the sky flashes before he uses an ability. He says a very specific thing before he uses an ability. It it allows you to start learning those kinds of things before you get to the point where it's like, all right, I got to do this. This is the time. Let's go. The problem is, is that I don't think, um, I don't feel that the Cirrus influenced mobs are good. I think that's the problem. Wait, the sky flashes in in the first phases when Cirrus is standing there before a um before an ability happens from the stand up in the sky, before his like projection does an ability, the sky flashes. You'll see like a flash of lightning. 75 LA resist, 75 dodge, 90 evasion, one blue mob crits on a projectile that makes it through. The RNG aspect of defense is what makes me the most frustrated. Um, I think that I, I do agree with Chris in the sense that there should be dangerous circumstances for all characters. Um, but I do understand what you mean. Just the fact that you're getting randomly one shot by something off screen, even with good defensive layers, does feel bad. Uh, this is exactly what I was wondering about yesterday. Chris was talking about killing monsters off screen is not fun, but he did not mention a single word that getting killed by monsters. Yeah, that's what I was mainly talking about. It took me 15 tries to down Sirius. For some people, it does. All right. Remember when Elder was introduced? There was White Elder, which was super easy, very basic, Yellow to Red Elder. Yeah, um, I think that having a more gradual introduction to a boss or something that was meant to be the main focus of the league is a very, very good thing. I think it's okay that now that Elder is side content, that you only see him at the very end, only when you're fighting him in his most powerful form, right? Even though normal Elder is very easy nowadays. I think that that's fine, um, but Cirrus is still main content right now, right? Um, Cirrus, the Conquerors, are all main in-game content. The, it's stuff that you are meant to do, right? Can't repeatedly practice many Cirrus fights in a short period of time like other bosses? Yes, so being able to see them at least a little bit is nice, essentially. All right, um, so that's pretty much uh, talking about monsters killing you off screen and that. Uh, let's talk about the Atlas changes. So, Atlas changes. Now, what was the list that we got before is that we got... They told us that it was 100 maps is all that they're going to do. It's half the watch zones and what else was there? Is there anything I'm missing about what we knew? about the atlas changes they said that they wanted to do i know they talked a little bit about um uh incorporating incorporating uh the atlas passives because of fewer zones uh, four regions instead of eights that's pretty much it right so we got 
half the amount of watchstones, four regions instead of eight, 100 maps instead of like 160. And that's it, right? That's all that they really told us that they were planning on doing. I think that was the that was the list, right? Um, okay, so the atlas changes. 100 maps. Let's start with that first. Atlases are going to be, sh uh, maps are going to be shuffled in and out. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maps will be shuffled. Let's, let's do this a little bit better. 100 maps, half watch zones, incorporating atlas passives. Maps will be shuffled. Okay. Make this a little bit easier to, to view, even though it's still not great. All right, so atlas changes, 100 maps. Let's talk about 100 maps first. So I think that um I think that this is very very good. I think this is a very solid thing that they should do and I think that they should do this more often. I think that they should rotate potential content in leagues. I think that they should do some form of rotation to give a fresh experience because the thing about it is is when you give everyone all of the tools unfortunately they're going to continue to do the same things. Think about how how much the map mods that Zana has available has affected the way that people farm in the past. Think about that, right? I don't think that that's a bad thing, chat. I think it's good that they give us different options of farming things as time goes on. And I feel that them swapping between different, like, without it being like them nerfing something it's just yeah we'll come back later but them saying like well let's not have this in the game right now or let's not have this in the game right now but not permanently it will just be eventually so maps being shuffled is kind of that it means that there will be a some kind of like meta of which maps to do um it will be some kind of, you know, like there will be particular maps that are good and then we'll see them again later and you'll look forward to them in the next league. You'll see which maps are whatever, you know, it, it'll it'll shuffle up the content. One thing about the 100 maps that I see that chat is worried about is um, is that what about uh, the extra bonus completion? I just think that they'll math it because um, from what Chris said, from what I remember, is they will just scale it to be the same. And if they can't like... And you would think, well, how do you turn 168% into 100%? Well, you just manipulate the base value, right? If you have five and you're increasing it by 168% and you get, I don't know, 168% of five. So 168% of five is 8.4, right? So if you need to get 8.4 and that is like the number that you're looking for, right? You would just make the base value have whatever it be, which would be, you know, um, 4.2. So it'd be... 4.2, uh, 200% of 4.2, right? So that would be the idea is you would just manipulate the base value and manipulate this. So each percentage would give you a little bit more, that kind of thing, right? So they would just, they would just math it up. Hopefully, hopefully, of course, we don't know that they're going to particularly do that, but hopefully that is the case. Um, what if there are only four zones and 16 watch zones? How are they going to balance the progression of difficulty? Maybe it won't be too much of an issue, but the ramps would have to be a bit steeper comparing zero watch zones to four watch zones in a zone. So talking about the actual maps that drop, that shouldn't change, but it just means that you will get um, either we'll have four Awakener levels or they will just have you gain an Awakener level every two jewels, right? That's what I would think. You can either have Awakener 1, 2, 3, 4, and then an Awakener 5 level from the mid-tier thing, which would be fine. I don't think that's I don't think that's terrible. 
Um, it would maybe confuse people, so if they want to keep with Awakener 8, Awakener 9, then they would just make it so that um, two stones would give you one Awakener level. That would be the simple way to go about it. All right, and that's half watch stones. I think that this will make it significantly less annoying because it essentially like halves the amount of time. Um, it, it essentially halves the amount of time it takes to get to Cirrus. It halves the amount of time that you have to spend to complete your Atlas, and it allows you to get into the high end like farming faster, right? It means that you can do, um, it means that you can do less of the shit that just feels annoying and more of the shit that you actually want to do. 4.2% of 200 is equal to 200% of 4.2. Yeah, that's how percentages work for sure. Um, so the thing that we have to think about on top of all of that, of the half watch stones and awakener level per two watch stones is that, uh, we have to think about incorporating the Atlas passives. Now, currently in Path of Exile for Atlas passives, um, the way that you have to go about it is that there are what? There's eight nodes per, per, per region, I think, something like that, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten. Looks like there's ten points per region, roughly. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So in that, in that realm, there's a lot of space here. And I think that it will be a little difficult to move all of these things around, but maybe, maybe that's a good thing. So maybe that's a good thing, right? Maybe they can make it so that each region has all of the nodes from one area. So like, for example, I don't know where the other abyss nodes are. Yeah, so you know how there's like abyss nodes here, right? Well, if they combined those abyss nodes with these abyss nodes, and then only have two sections per area, right? So it would be full abyss nodes and then maybe full delirium nodes. So then you could focus particularly on that section just doing delirium and you'd have 25 maps to choose from. So if you got all of these delirium nodes, right? Like you took all of, oh, you took all of these, yeah? So you'd grab all of these delirium nodes and put them along with all of these delirium nodes and balance them however you would need to. And then you could focus on that one area to do one thing. And you could just put that and maybe like delirium and incursion in one zone and then abyss and harvest in another zone and then a breach and uh, delve in another zone, something like that. So that would make it so that you didn't have to deal with all of that, all of that other stuff, right? You could focus on one area, you could farm that one area and you could, you could work on your farming and work on your end game rather than working on just some like having to like like boys i still don't have it done i'm still on awakener 7 right like i've i bought a bunch of wa watchstones from Corey too like it's just so much work like think about it right i'm playing a build that can very very easily at this point do all of the content in the game right and i don't even have all these watchstones just because of how much of a chore it is to get them i'll just buy the last couple i only need like three at this point but the amount of time it took me to get here just felt like a chore it just it just felt like work it didn't feel like i was actually having fun so um that's incorporating the atlas passives i think that that will be the thing with four zones instead of eight i think it will be good hopefully they do it justice because i think it's one of the better um one of the better sets i have some more stashed up now i can give you those okay i'll buy some for you from you i think that that's good right um, I, I think that one other thing that they should probably do, uh, should be that they should probably get rid 
if they're not gonna make conquerors actually worth killing, I think that they should get rid of the worst possible spawn for how many maps it takes to kill a conqueror. Like, you know how it can spawn where you have to do like 10 maps to kill a conqueror? Just get rid of that one. Just make it so that they can't spawn like that. Make it so that it only spawns on the like small one or the, or the medium one, right? Just make those the options or make it always spawn on the medium one and never the small one. Like make it five or six and never more than that. Don't make me farm like 10 maps to get one conqueror. It's kind of annoying. Um, and you can adjust the drop rates of whatever. It's like, if they're not going to make it so that the conquerors actually have like items that I'm looking forward to them dropping, I don't really think that it makes sense to make me farm forever just to see them. All right. Um, before we talk about deterministic crafting, cause this is going to be a long section. Um, and my thoughts on it, is there anything else that we missed? Because I didn't take like great notes here. Um, is there anything else that you guys want me to talk about when it comes to the with what happened is there is there anything else you want to hear about in particular i'll wait a moment and i'll let chat like go through anything that they want to want to hear about colorblind ggg still doesn't get it colorblind options that's their ploy at the time sync to keep us playing the game longer to get through what they feel is the proper game yeah did you watch the part you weren't online anymore um i didn't watch anything about dl or about uh, poe2 death recap what did they say about death recap? We can go and probably find some of this stuff. Future of the channel. Oh, you talking about like me? Sure, I can. Well, that's not really part of this. Future of the channel is I'm giving them to like 3.17 to go in a direction that I care about. Storm rain fix in next patch. Death recap, not a priority. That's unfortunate. Anything else? They said they need someone more colorblind than their staff to get in contact with them, so they want to fix it, but they need help. Okay. Um, colorblind options. So... Let me find this here. So keep in mind that there is actually color filters in Windows 10. Uh, this is one thing to remember. I can't harp on them too much just because these do exist. I do think that they should do something, but um, but there are color filters in Windows 10, if you weren't aware. You can go in and get some color filters that will help you with certain things to be able to see what's what. Um, it doesn't make things look great, but you can get custom ones and there are programs that can work on this. Uh, there are like third-party programs and stuff that you can do with stuff like that. So there are options right now, but I do feel that they need to work on I, I this is a this is an artistic thing right they need to stop making these fights all the same color and make it so that there's no difference in color like i still will say that shaper is one of the best made fights that they've ever done the normal original shaper fight has good color variants um good pacing good dialogue good combat everything feels really solid because the colors brown purple and yellow all are seeable and you can discern the difference between those colors very easily at just a glance right so having all of those different colors together makes it very 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 easy to see um you take elder on the other hand and literally every single thing in the elder fight is a shade of gray um is there anything in the sh in the in the normal elder fight besides shaper himself that isn't gray or like a bluish gray I, I don't think there is anything. 
I, I don't think there is anything, and that's the problem, is fights like Cirrus and fights like Elder and some of the Delve fights too that are just all one color, like Malachi. Malachi was terrible for this, and they improved it later on. Malachi, you could literally used to not be able to tell the difference between the floor and anything else. Like, there was no difference between the color of the floor, the color of the air, the color of, the, of anything. It was all just the same shade of red, and it was terrible. Um, they did update the Malachi fight eventually, though, which is good. To me, the reason there are 10 maps Conqueror's moment is so you can farm influence items, but the odds to acquire good ones is so low, it just ends up not being worth it. Well, I mean, that wouldn't take that away from you, right? Like, if you wanted to farm that particular Conqueror, um, they would show up relatively as often, it would just be in smaller bursts. Do you think they're making large changes in preparation for PoE 2? This seems like an obvious assertion, but they also stated 2024 is the goal for public release of PoE 2. Was that the actual... I might have missed that. Is that is that what they said, chat? 2024 was the um was the goal release date for for PoE2. They said before 2024. All right, so that gives us 2 years and 4 months. So I would say they probably want to get it out in 2023 maybe. Maybe maybe either next year Christmas or the, the Christmas after that. They said they'd be surprised if they didn't have a public beta by the end of 2023. Okay, yeah, so, okay. I think they said 23 beta and 24 launch. Okay, interesting, all right. That seems a ways out still, Jesus. That might be a good thing as long as they're focusing more on the actual PoE 1 as it is right now. Um, death recap. I could talk a little bit about the death recap. Uh, keep in mind, I genuinely do feel that death recap, we don't have it because they don't want us to have it. I haven't I haven't heard anything from GDG officially that makes me think that this is not a specifically they are holding it back thing. Um, I, I do not feel... Like they, I've never heard Chris or anyone else from GDG in any patch notes or anything ever that has ever convinced me otherwise. It's a thing in China servers. It isn't. It's not a thing in China servers. In China servers, you have a message that tells you the thing that kills you. That's not, it's not helpful. Um, alternative way to level. Not sure if you said about that. Um, I can talk about alternative way to level, but they, they never really touched on that. They, they actually, they did touch on this a little bit. We'll talk about it a little bit. Um, death recap. They don't want us to have this, is the, is the way that I feel about this. I think that there is so much jank in the way that mobs do damage that they don't want us to see it, and I don't think they want us to have a death recap. Because if they, if their code is competent, which I think it is, they should be able to see all of the damage that a, that a player has taken in the last five seconds, or even up to ten seconds. Um, they said they don't want to hold the server data. They said they don't want to hold... I, I haven't heard that, but if that's the argument, I can talk about that in a moment. Um, all they have to do is that they just have to take... All they'd really have to hold would be the last 10 seconds at any given time, right? They said it would take too much server space to do that. It would take too much server space to hold 5 to 10 seconds of data... I don't really buy that. It's like it's like a couple bits. Like it, it's 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 literally just 
It's it's 10 seconds of data judged by the monsters that dealt the damage, the type of damage it was, and that's it. That would be all that you need. Like, I I, I don't I don't feel that that's a reasonable. I I feel like that's a I I feel like it's a it's a side thing. Let the client cash it. Yeah, I I, I feel like that's I feel like that's a cop out. I feel like that's a cop out answer. He talked about it in Allcraft. Yeah, I I feel like I feel like that's a cop out answer. They could do it in the client. Absolutely, it could be it could be done client side, um, because the character the client has to know what kind of damage it's taking, right? Like I feel I feel like there's there's not an excuse there. I don't feel like it needs to be done server side then. Just do it client side. Um, no one said mean stuff to me. Well, people have said mean stuff to me, but not right now. Um, yeah, I feel like that's a cop-out answer. You could very easily record the information client-side, just keep the last 10 seconds of whatever, um, whatever, like, last, the damage that happened to you, the type of damage that it happened, and the, um, and judge it by the amount of time, right? So, 10 seconds of data, you only have to, you only ever have to keep 10 seconds of data, but lots of data transfer, only transfer the data when the character dies, Right? They can hold if if that's if that's the worry, they can hold ten seconds of data on just the damage that the character takes. Right? I think that that's not that much, because how much data is it realistically going to be to save the amount of damage that you took over the last ten seconds? Sort it by type, and that's pretty much it. Right? I I, I can't see a world where that's a lot of data. 100 kilobytes I, I don't even think it's that much right because like think about the things that they actually need to track so how many damage types are there five damage types Fizz, chaos um lightning fire uh cold right and then there's darkness those are the six da th those those are the six damage types right sorted by what type of damage and maybe the mobs that did it to you or even just the type of damage that it was and then the monster name that did it. So at any given time, how many different monsters are there on screen? Let's say there's 20, right? So 20 different monsters that, that did damage to you on screen, different types of monsters, right? I'm not talking about like individual monsters, right? Just 20 types of monsters. If there's 20 types of monsters and they do five different types of damage, there should not be a reason that they can't give us the amount of damage that the character took, right? They track it. I know that they track it. So why can they not provide us, even if the, even if that's the limitation, five seconds, right? Like just five seconds of damage. Hit versus dot wouldn't matter, right? If it did damage over time, it's still summarized into that damage. They'll have to summarize that info. Yeah, and it shouldn't be hard. Give me a graph that has like the five damage types by percentage and then numbers by them. Like I... I don't feel that it is a conceptual or a like or a physical problem right i don't feel like it's that hard will a message that says mob a did x fire damage be enough that's what the chinese server essentially has and i don't think that it's enough because the thing about it is that the character the the data does exist it's just holding on to it for five seconds right what about the off-screen death? I'm talking about monster type, right? Like not not individual monsters. I'm talking monster type, right? Basically the lol death recap system. Sure, I, ha I haven't played League of Legends in a long time. Um, 
five seconds of damage is completely irrelevant most of the players death happen in a split second well you could sort it by time is what i would say so you would take all of this data you would aggregate it and then you would have a slider that lets you go from five seconds to one second right up until you died right the data exists but only for a very short time they're not memorized i just genuinely wonder if they could aggregate that data instead of keeping all of the information just aggregate that data that happens in the last five seconds I like I think I I, I I feel like they could do it. Wow does full detailed damage logs and the reason Pee Wee couldn't? Yeah. And let me put it this way. Make the data available for people to see. How about that, chat? Make it so that there is an API, like something that they could do, where if the person wanted to have a third party add-on that could do that for them, that they could at least see the damage that was done. They probably wouldn't do that, but like I, I don't know. Like this is a multi-million dollar company making one of the biggest RPG games in the world. I'm sh I'm sure that they could do it. Like, I I'm sure, I'm... It has to, I, like, when they say not a priority, I understand that, but they could do it, right? Like, they could if they wanted to. Anyways, that's Death Recap. Alright, um, actually... That here. Right. So moving on, uh, alternative way to level. Now, alternative way to level, I feel, is something that I heavily disagreed with Chris on. Um, I don't know that he fully understood what what I think the I think the the casters were trying to tell him is that he has this like he feels like the only way that you can possibly do it. And I wish they would have posed the question to him. I wish they would have posed the question to him is what about an alternative to leveling for alts? Because I don't feel like that got brought up, right? Like, I don't think that specifically the, the case of an alt, like the second character or the third character, I don't think that got brought up specifically, right? Because they talked about leveling it, but did they say specifically for a second or third character and did he address that question? Because I don't remember it. Because the thing about it is I understand that you want the first character of a league to go through the story. I get that. It makes sense. It keeps everyone equal, right? Um, I think that that's fine. But after, after you do that, the you should just allow people to do it elsewise. He said the goal is to make the campaign part of the fun instead of let maps be the only fun part. I don't think they're doing a good job of that. Why do they need to force the campaign to be fun? I, the, the problem is, is that I don't think people play the game for the campaign after they've done it a couple times. The, the thing about it is, is that I, I don't care. Um, I don't care how fun you make a story, right? I'm going to be, I'm going to be hundred percent just like straight honest here. I can only play a story for the story so many times before it's fucking boring, right? I cannot, I'm not one of those types of people that can replay and replay and replay and replay and replay and replay ad infinitum, right? I've been playing this game for 10 years. I've done the story probably a few thousand times at this point, at least a few hundred times, right? It gets old eventually. Yeah, PoE 2 story is probably not going to be old right away, but I can guarantee you after about 10 times through, I'm going to be pretty bored of it. 
I don't find it to be fun. Like the PeeWee 1 story, it's cool. There's some interesting stuff to do in it. Maybe there'll be more interesting stuff to do in PeeWee 2, but I'm looking for maps. I'm looking for maps. So the problem that I run into is that, yes, you can force the story once, but just allow people to do something else afterwards. Because I feel like one of the main grievances that I have is that it just feels like I'm forced to spend three to five hours doing the story every time I want to make a new character. I just, it gets very, very, very old. Discussion on starters will just become, just builds to go faster to the campaign. Don't think they'll do that. I think this is one of those design philosophy decisions. They want the campaign to be a good way to play, but people never play the campaign for ARPG for fun. The end game is always the game. And I think that it's okay if they allow people to play it once, right? I just don't want, like, okay. Say you run into the scenario where you're making a new character. All right, beginning of Expedition League. How many of you re-rolled, like, four times? I'm sure a bunch of you re-rolled a bunch trying to find characters that actually felt good early on, right? So imagine you played your first character or something went poor. Now you got to do the campaign again, and you don't like the campaign. So you have to do the campaign a second time. You got some maps, and you're like, eh. Second character is not that great either. I got to roll another character. Now you got to do the campaign again. And you're like, eh, this one's okay, but it's not perfect. And there's this new cool build that my favorite streamer made. And that looks like a really good build. And I want to play that one. And then you go to play the fourth character. And now you've done the campaign four times in like three days. And you're just bored and you just quit the game. If I'm forced to do the same campaign over and over again, back to back to back to back to back. Think about how my, think about how I look and feel on league start testing, right? There are some people that will enjoy that. And I'm talking like racers, someone like Ty Ty Killer or someone will enjoy doing the campaign over and over and over and over again, right? That's the reason that they enjoy the game. But if I have to do the campaign like five times back to back to back to back to back to back, I'm just not gonna wanna play anymore because I'm just fucking tired of playing, right? Tired of doing the campaign. I'm not saying drop the campaign completely. I'm saying shorten and make it actually useful basic info like resistances. I'm not saying drop the campaign either. I'm saying give us an alternative after we've done it once. Once we've done it once per league, give us an alternative to the campaign. One time is all it takes. Give us one time and then give us an alternative after that. Whether it be... This was my idea, okay? So my idea was that after you do the campaign once and you unlock each of the different masters and you master their whatever it is, right? Make a completion step for delve, make a completion step for heist, make a completion step for maps, make a completion step for Alva, make a completion step for... Okay, we'll just go with those four, right? So make it so that there is a step of completion for those things. And then once you've made a step of completion for those things, make it so that you can level a new character from start to finish in those areas. So if you kill Cirrus on Awakener 8, or maybe even just kill Cirrus in general, give an option for a new, a new character to do something like maps from level one, right? Make it so that they can do that. If you get to 500 delve depth, make it so that you can do delve from level one. If you get to a tier 16 and kill um, and kill the end boss of the Alva Temple at tier 16, make it so that you can do Alva Temples or something from level 1. Whatever it is, right? Just let them choose the thing that they want to do to level because everyone likes different things. 
Does Chris think if they give us an alternative leveling, um, it will open a Pandora's box and that will demand it as default? I mean, that would be fine. I think it would be great. Because, like, I, I actively enjoy things like Heist, right? Like, I actually kind of like Heist now. So being able to level, um... So being able to level a character in Heist would be cool. Like, make the base one be maps, right? They could give us baby maps with maps. Well, that's the idea, is that you would start maps from level one, right? So they would have a different set of maps where you would go through a tiers, whatever, like one to 68, right? So you would start with maps at level one and you would have like maps that drop and you'd move your way through and they drop much more often. Or they could even bring back, you guys remember, um, you guys remember when Chris was talking about the original, like, Maelstrom of Chaos or whatever it is? Just something like that where you can just move through and just farm and go, 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 go. And you can just make a build that's designed to just kill things. And you don't have to do this extra stuff like quests and shit like that, right? Like, just make it so that you can optimize the fuck out of it, allow people to get good at it, and then make it so that they can level in, like, an hour or two or something like that. Like, who cares? Just make it so they can go through it. If you people like Delve, then let them jump into Delve and just endlessly go, 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 all the way up until they hit 68 and then move over into real Delve. Like, who cares? If it's a second character, if it's an alt or something like that, just let them move through it. Maybe a rare job that lets you skip to level 65 or something. I think that's a less interesting but more reasonable thing for them to implement. Like a rare item that's maybe as expensive as an exalt that allows you to just automatically skip a character to level 68. Um, I think that is a more reasonable thing for them to implement, but a very not fun or not interesting way to go about it. Are you going to be on live with Chris? I don't have that kind of sway in the PoE community. Um, I, I don't I don't have that kind of sway in the PoE community. I'm relatively new in this zone. Most people don't know who I am. Uh, some content creators know who I am at this point. I'm very new in the PoE community. I'm talking like a year or two. Um, so keep in mind, I don't have the kind of sway that someone who's been like at the top of the list for four or five years does like Zizarin or something like that. Um, I don't, I don't have that kind of sway and I don't necessarily have the same amount of time as some of these other people. Um, so that is one thing. If you got the chance to ask Chris on the design team, two questions, what would you ask what their philosophy for creating the game is and who they target when they're creating the game? Do they work from the bottom up or do they work from the top down when it comes to balancing who plays the game and how they play it? That would be my first question. Um, my second question would be... The first one I had ready. The first one I knew that I would ask. Um, the second question would be... I don't... I, I haven't pre-thought the second question. I don't know. I don't know what the second one would be, to be honest with you. I'd probably ask about alternative leveling paths. Why they are so against people playing multiple characters. I think that's probably the second one. Appreciate you, Carlitos. Um, what you just said solves the entire problem, which makes me think there's another reason they just don't want to do that. I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Should get stories about you more often on Reddit. It's not as fun as it might seem. Like, even though, um, like... It's nice for once in my life to have a Reddit thread about me that's actually upvoted and people are being mostly positive. Like, it feels okay. Um, I don't necessarily, like, want to be on Reddit all the time. Like, I... it, it's stressful. As as someone who, like... Because if you don't know, I have, um... I have, like, a anxiety disorder. I have generalized anxiety disorder. And it prevents me from, like, stop... 
like stopping thinking about things. So I'll get in like mental loops constantly. I'll just it like won't stop, right? I'll think about something and it'll just keep popping up, keep popping up, keep popping up, keep popping up. So when someone starts talking about something, even if it's like negative about me and it gets into my head, my brain just is like this, right? And it's hard to break out of that loop. So I don't, I don't necessarily care at the end of the day, but it's not good or bad. It's not necessarily a good thing to have a fucking giant Reddit thread with hundreds of people talking about you and your opinion on things, right? Good or bad. The reality of the campaign is the, comp the company invested resources for it and they can't justify skipping it because of some cost fallacy. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Don't get rid of the campaign, um, but, or, but give us alternatives after we've done it once, right? I think that would be fine. I might be wrong, but I think Chris just wants everyone to love the whole game and he does not like the idea of a big chunk of the creation being skipped. Seems like an ego thing. Potentially, it could be. Um, that's why, like I said, make it so that you could do one. You think if you reached out to Tarky, he would work with you to be on Bayclast? I... I don't go out of my way to be on podcasts. Does that make sense? I... I don't think that podcasts do very much good, for the most part, on something like Path of Exile. Um, I think that it is not really a useful thing to host, simply because in situations where there is not a member of GGG or something like that happening where it's like, because let, let's be honest, it wasn't really a podcast, that was a panel, right? If you think about a real world situation where Chris was in, that was one of those situations where he had five experienced journalists around him and he was sitting up in front of a in front of a crowd with a microphone in front of him and they were asking him questions. That was not a podcast. They can say that it's a podcast and people will call it a podcast, but it's easier. But that was like that was a question and answer like that was that was Chris essentially being on trial, right? Um So so that's the thing, right? I don't, I don't think the podcasts are super useful. I will happily go and guest star on a podcast, a press conference, yeah. I will happily go and guest star on a podcast. You guys have seen me over on Badger and Yoji's podcast before. I will I will happily go and visit occasionally. I'm not going to put resources of my own towards a podcast, like go out of my way to do resources in that regard because I don't actually think they're useful. Um, that's my stance on podcasts. That's the reason that I don't really go out of my way to try to get on them. I understand that it would be better for my image or better for my reach if I did things like that. But one, I can't, I, I just I just can't be fucked, honestly. People keep wanting someone from Softcore Trade to go to Bay Class. It doesn't work. The community mobbed against them. Grimro was a regular. MP came and was hated. Just stopped making suggestions. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a problem with that kind of thing, right? It's... They're go you're going to get mobbed on. Uh, thankfully, the community is kind of moving away from hating on random softcore Andes, but... But yeah, um, if you think you could skip the story, then less of the streamers be streaming the early content that the new players would want to see, less free early game advertising. Do you think new players want to see the story? I, I don't... I don't think... I don't feel like watching the story is really super entertaining. I think people mostly watch PoE uh, for a couple different reasons. I think they watch it because of their streamer. They like their streamer. 
Um, they watch it to see whatever build that they were playing, and then they maybe watch it for in information. I'd love to see you on a podcast. You have a nice voice. You obviously have passion and knowledge about the game, and I mostly agree with you, which is kind of a bonus. Yeah, but as I said, I... I don't think I would enjoy hearing you talk with some of the people on some podcasts, but hearing you and Noogie talk details of builds would be fun. Just my two cents. Yeah, sure. I, I think things like that is okay. Like talking with someone else is whatever, but going on like some big panel podcast, something like that. I'm even like sort of hesitant to, to like interview Chris or something like that just because um, I don't need that kind of pressure right now. I would do it because I feel that the community deserves it, but it's not something I'm probably going to go like super out of my way. To go for right now maybe in the future if i did this myself um i would contribute questions or work with that kind of thing but i have a lot going on in my life um let's 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 talk we've kind of we've kind of diverted from we've kind of diverted a little bit here uh let's see here let me jump back up let's go back to campaign and we were talking about the new campaign i just i feel that there needs to be options at the end of the day i think that there needs to be more options on what you can do to level up a second or third or fourth character. It's not about the first character of a league. I'm not saying get rid of the campaign for the first character, and I'm not saying make it free. I'm saying if someone is willing to invest time, energy, and currency into getting something like a alternate version of leveling, allow that. I think that it would be a good thing for the game going forward. So like I said, my ideas were mapping from level one once you've completed some arbitrary goal up in high tier maps, delving from level one once you've completed some arbitrary goal up in high tier delves, like 500 depth or something like that, and doing any, like heisting from level one once you've maybe killed the twins, like you've completed the story and killed the twins, allow heisting from level one after you've done that. It would give people another thing to push towards, like long term that they could do. They'd be like, okay, so this league, I have goals of doing like, huh, I want to level like four or five different builds. And to do that my favorite way, I'm going to have to push up into the top of this content because I really like heist. So I'm going to go through heist. I'll complete all of the heist content, finish that up, grind through all of that. And then I can start leveling characters in heist. You know, it's like, and then you can level a new character. You can have the heist lady show up over at the edge right there and be like, hey, I heard you, blah, 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 want to do this, blah, blah, blah. And you go in and you start being able to buy blueprints for very cheap amounts of currency, right? So you have, um, it, so for example, you would take, you would go into heist, right? And say from level one, the way that you could go about it is that you would run up into heist and you'd just sit there and as soon as my game loads in, because Oriath has like a bajillion fucking people in it, so you would go in here, where, where are my heist tokens? Oh, they're in here. So level one, level one Andy character goes into, goes into heist, right? And you'd be at, well, level two because you'd kill Hillock and then you'd be able to go in, right? Um, so you go in here and you talk to Karai and she gives you the normal thing. You walk around, you talk to the different people. The rogues would already be unlocked because you have already done that previously. And you would talk with the rogues and they'd give you some general guidelines of things to do. And then you would, God, there's so much MTX in here. Holy shit. And you could go over to Wakano. Need to keep busy. He'd have some, some heist contracts that were near your level. Maybe he'd have a range of two levels below to two levels above. They would be very, very cheap in terms of currency. You'd already have some currency because your character would have already leveled up previously. And you would invest a little bit of currency into buying them. Like they would cost like 
transmutation orbs, or alchemy orbs, or chance orbs, or alteration orbs. And you would buy these from him, and then buy. you would go, and you could roll them if you wanted to, if you wanted to go even faster, allow you to invest currency into be able to going faster. You come over to Adia, prepare the heist, go in, run through, you'd gain currency, you'd apply that towards being able to level faster if you want, and then that's it. That is... I don't know how much dev time that would take, I don't know how hard it would be, but I think that it would be a very genuine, interesting, and powerful way to make players have more goals as you go up into the high tier, as well as give people who don't like the campaign something else to do for multiple characters. I feel it would be... It would be awesome, right? For Delve, still you should farm juice with the first character? Yeah, I mean, sure, you could do that if you wanted to, right? Make it so that you can invest stuff into it. The vendor rewards already scale with levels and the shop resets as you level? Yeah, so I mean, just have it scale down. That would be the way that you'd go about it, right? Just something like that. Allow us to turn off other people's MTX vigils will not happen, guaranteed. That is advertisement for them. It won't happen, I promise you. Unless GG is like done with the game and Chris is just like, all right, boys, I'm out. That's not happening. I'm actually open heist of him and not doing the campaign, which is least terrible. Yeah. So think about it, right? If you didn't like heist or you didn't like delve typically, like you don't want to go in there, but it's a cool thing that prevents you from having to do the campaign or you do the campaign so much that you want some other kind of option. Like think about how nice that that would be, right? I think that that would be something that would be really good. Um, Best moment of every league is when you beat Sirius and finally leave the MTX show nonsense. Yeah. True. But then by the end of the league, or even like a month in, you start getting the MTX show nonsense. God, my throat is hurting. I've been talking a lot. Oh, um, I already took medicine. I'm going to go grab more water. I'll be right back. Uh, I'm going to run a couple minutes of ads because I haven't done any ads pretty much all day. Pre-rolls have just been rolling, rolling, rolling. Um... I'm gonna run a couple minutes of ads. I'm gonna go grab water, stretch a little bit, because I've been I've been like constantly talking, and I already have like my health issues that I've had over the last week or two. So um, we're gonna run a couple minutes of ads. Remember, I make less money off of this. We'll be right back. Just a few minutes. Go grab a drink yourself or Twitch Prime if you don't want to see ads. We'll be right back, boys. Stream is your favorite, right? <laughs> Could you get this ass on the upcoming podcast? Um, 
There are ads running, but some people just don't get them. Um, we can use this. Let's 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 type it in while we're waiting, so we're not gonna go any further. Alright, so alternative way to level. Um, delve, heist, mapping. So the idea would be is that for delve, you would do something along the lines of once you get to 500 depth, you could unlock delve for leveling. Um, make it cost Azerite, but less, and move wherever you want. Um, that's the investment cost. That's about all that really needs to be said there. Iced. Um, once you complete final quest, twins allow to start icing from level one. It'd be something along the lines of 500 is pretty steep. I I don't I don't know I don't know Delph. <laughs> I, I don't know Delph. That's 500. It has to be something like equivalent of of like tier 16 maps, a little bit above that. Once you complete Final Quest Twins, allow start heisting from level one. Make it so that you can buy low level heists from Wakano. Have it cost various currency. God, I can't fucking type today, dude. Have it cost variance currency, various currency. All the rogues will be unlocked already. It's like depth 130. Sure, something like that. So you can make it 150. I don't know. 150 or once you get to about I don't want to say kill all kill a delve boss or reach 150 depth something like that and then various currency all the rows would be unlocked already so they would give you various goals to obtain that could Unlock Atlas points. Or not Atlas points, um Ascendancy points. Maybe through various rare potions or something. It could cost Azerite. But put Ascendancy Alters. Maybe broken or out of time slash place. What's the name of that? It's OO out of what's the term for it there's a term that uh, that that people use generally when it's like an out of place object is it out of place object anachronistic something like that i'm just going to do out of place but ascendancy alters at various levels Fame. Right. Um, so that would be what you'd do for heist. For mapping, once you kill Cirrus, uh, unlock mapping or some style of mapping from level one. Maybe the 
what was the name of it that I said before? The old style, like, uh, Maelstrom of Chaos. What is this a list? Uh, we've been going through a lot of stuff for the game. Like, we, we went through a bunch of stuff. We've been talking about Bay Class, talking about all the changes. Um, and yeah, will you send these notes to GGG? I'd have to make these look better, and then I could send them to, like, Zizarin or something like that. Um, uh, I could, I could, we could send these to, like, Zizarin, or maybe, uh, Gazzy if Zizarin doesn't want them. Something like that. Um, or you guys could, like, clip this and send it somewhere, I don't care. Um, but yeah, so, maybe, like, when you kill Maelstrom of Chaos. Have... Ascendancy, the have like the ascendancy zones or ascendancy trials show up and give points based off of those. Like unlocking Uber, uh, Uber Lab, kind of make a video about it. Um, if I had thought that I was gonna go with this in depth with everything, I would have been recording all of this right now. And I would have just posted it, like, clipped and all of that, but yeah, it's it's a lot. It'd be a very long video. I could make probably a TLDR video of all of this. But yeah, I didn't think that I was going to go this in-depth. I didn't think we'd be here three hours later talking about Bay Class, to be honest with you. Um, so yeah. Mapping, heist, delve. That would be essentially what it is. I think this would be good. All right, this, the ads are over. Um, all right, anything else? Anything else we want to talk about before we go to Terministic Crafting? Terministic Crafting is probably the last thing I'm going to talk about. And there's a lot to go in there, and there's a lot to be upset about. Do we have anything else? We kind of, we added a couple good things here. We added Death Recap, Colorblind Options, and we added Alternative Ways to Level. Conqueror's low level when re-rolling. Um, I don't know if the Conquerors would show up. Oh, you know what? Or Conquerors would or first encounter with Conquerors. They could be that, that could how you, that could be how you get the Ascendancy points. Like say, make the, make weaker versions of the Conquerors and you kill them and then get your first Ascendancy point, second Ascendancy point, third and fourth. Right? Something like that would be cool. From a story stance, it's kind of weak. Well, this is after you're done with the story. So story is mostly irrelevant here. How about a boss dual type leveling? You start with Hillock, then Fairgraves, and Mervale, etc. And by the time you reach Act Katava, Act 10, you're like level 60. That would be more work. That'd be a lot of work. You need to get hit with the resistance debuffs too. They can happen at any time. Is this your own suggestion? This is just kind of what chat and I have been talking about for a bit now. Alright, I think that's good. So nobody has any other major ideas. Nobody has any other major things. And I'm not just talking about like alternative way to level. I'm talking about just in general things that you would have wanted to hear from the podcast. That you did while podcasting. Or that they did talk about during the podcast. Is there anything else that you guys want to hear me talk about that I haven't talked about already? Because we're going to talk about deterministic crafting and determinism in general in the game. Are you getting any real defenses? I did talk about that earlier. Um, 
we did talk about defenses. Where is it? So easier defensive options available to more characters. We did talk about this. So you can go back in the video if you want. Optimization for weaker PCs, but I guess that's off topic. Mm, it's going to be rough. Optimization, I think they've already optimized quite heavily. What about loot boxes? That's more um, That's more big brain. I'd love to hear about underpowered skills being brought up to levels and other skills are currently at. I did talk about that earlier as well. Um, I talked about that when we were talking about variety of builds and, um, and such. I did talk about that one. Making the Pantheon more useful. They actually are doing that. That is something to talk about. Um, it is actually worth at least mentioning. Um, making the Pantheon more useful. So what they talked about, um, what they talked about with the Pantheon being more useful was that they were going to make it like put ailment immunities into the Pantheon. So that would be pretty good because they're going to put ailments immunities into the Pantheon. So you would have ways to like make the Pantheon more useful. Like if your character wasn't good at dealing with cold, you could put like chill or freeze immunity into the Pantheon. If it was good at dealing with that, you could put like ignite immunity into there. Stuff like that, right? Not enough currency in white and yellow maps to engage with crafting to get like four or five affix item, like more regals and annulments or something. That's a very base level thing that I don't know enough about how the game works, like at a programming level really be able to say what that would do like i don't know what i don't know what i would say about like regals and stuff or why those drop rates are how they are i don't know what kind of effects it would have to have those currencies be more prominent alternative gear acquisition for stuff like cluster jewels i think cluster jewels should stay where they are i think it's fine that cluster jewels are are behind the area where they at i don't want it to be I want there to be more things that you have to go to a certain area to farm for instead of there being less things. Because we talked about that a little bit earlier too. Think the descendancies are underwhelming in visual terms. Why can't the Marauder model change to the Berserker model? We're getting new models, but... I mean, it's a good point, but it would take a lot of work. What I like to see is that we have more challenges each league, which give more actually useful rewards. One portal of wings after 36 challenges is way too less rewards. That moves people away from buying stuff. I don't think it'll happen. Yeah, I would like um, I would like more options for there. I would I would like more, not more options. I would like there to be more things where you have to go farm the specific content to get the item instead of it just being generically everywhere dropping. Play styles active versus passive. I would love to have both viable. I think I think both are sort of viable right now. Passive playstyles are, are kind of spoopy because you open up a big can of worms. Maybe an easier way to roll clusters. I thought that the nerfs to clusters were unjustified when they originally did it. It's a part of the skill tree, and I don't think it should be held behind, like, RNG and currency. I think that they should make it so that the actual nodes should be the easy thing to roll. Like, very easy. I'm talking about, like, as easy as rolling flasks, right? And then the extra modifiers be the hard thing to roll with it. I think that's the way it should go. Did you mention the flash changes? Yeah, we talked about the flash changes in depth. Um, more, specific, more specificity in where certain sets of jewels drop so you can target farm your own jewels in a reasonable manner. Sure, that could be something good. We can talk about that in determinism. What about reducing the need for multiple characters instead of having only a second weapon? You can have a second tree and a complete second gear set. I... I would rather them solve 
solve making an alternate character instead of making it so that you just transform your character into something else. Reworked in more Threshold Jewels. I think Threshold Jewels are something they should do more of um, because it gives interesting dynamic between different ways to play characters. I don't think that... I don't think that a situation where a ability requires you to use the Threshold Jewel for it to be good is a good thing. I think the Threshold Jewel should make it different. I do feel there should be more, though. I do agree. All right. I think that's pretty much it. Um... Uh, let's talk about deterministic crafting. Okay. This is a big topic, and Chris basically said that they didn't like deterministic crafting because it allowed you to make the most powerful items in the game. And there was a big disconnect between the between what Chris was saying and what actually happens, and I disagree with him almost completely on this one. Just planning for a vid or are you interviewing Chris? I'm doing this for the community, to be honest with you. I'm just doing this to, like, with people i could probably make a video out of this um but i don't know that i could make it a good video i'd have to like i'd have to spice up these notes a little bit uh, some people wanted me to send this to like zizzerin or something like that and i could probably send some pointed questions i don't want to send them like 800 questions but but um my thoughts on deterministic crafting is that when chris would say something like we don't want the best items to come from deterministic crafting. I think to myself, like, well, where do you want them to come from? Do you want them to come from randomness? Because they don't still. The best items in the game still do come from deterministic crafting or gamble crafting, right? That's still where they come from. And when he said the best items, I can guarantee you the vast majority of people with full harvest, full 100% harvest, did not have the best items in the game. I guarantee you that they didn't. I played a lot in Ritual, and I played a lot in Harvest, and I tried to craft a lot of stuff. It was not as easy as Chris was making it out to be. Like, yeah, the very, very top-end players, sure, they were going and buying tons of stuff on, on the Discord channel and all that kind of stuff. But Corey, if you're here, I know that you did a lot of like buying stuff on there and you know using Harvest and stuff. Was it easy at any point to be able to get your gear crafted quote unquote perfectly? Because I didn't do a lot of buying and stuff like that. But was it was it easy? Did it not take like tons of time to farm the currency and pay for the things and hopefully get the shit done? Like even to make one piece of gear, right? It wasn't easy, right? So it's like, I don't, I don't get this problem that Chris has with people eventually getting great items. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, I mean, it takes a insane amount of work to be able to get most of this stuff done. To get a character completed, his rationale from what I remember was he said something along the lines of like, well, where do you go after you get your character completed? And the answer is to another character. That's the thing that I, I keep feeling like gets missed, right? The, the thing that it just seems like there is no focus on whatsoever when I hear any talk with GGG is talking about playing multiple characters. All I ever hear anyone talk about is playing one character and nothing else. 
that's the thing I don't understand. Is because like, well, where do you go after you make the perfect character? You move on to another one. You know how many characters I made in Harvest and in um and in Ritual? Like, how many build guides did I make in those in those eras? I made I made a lot of builds in those in those two eras. I played so many builds. There was so much shit for me to play. It was insane. Like, I played a ton of builds because I felt like I could actually, like, make and create interesting gear for it. So, the, the problem is, is that I don't, I don't feel that there should be this huge barrier. Deterministic crafting feels amazing to me. Gamble crafting feels terrible. And I think the problem is that they gave us the ability to deterministically craft things, right? It wasn't easy still. But if you can compare that to, like, what we have now, like, how is what we have now better? It's easy in terms of how you can tunnel your currency and deterministically make that perfect, perfect it. There's Gamba, yeah, but no chance of breaking an item if you know what you're doing. I think that's what Chris doesn't want. I mean... I don't know. It, it just... It feels like it's not, it's already not easy, you know? Like, it's already not easy. Maybe they have data that says most players quit after they're done with their first character. Then say that. Or then work on making it more in, like, give more incentive to create multiple characters. They never say that, though. They just say that it's bad. That's all that they ever say. They're like, they're like, deterministic crafting bad. We don't want it. And then later on, they said, we'll introduce more ways to more ways to do it, but they, they never specifically say that. I've never heard them say anything along the lines of like, well, you know, most players are quitting after blah, 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 blah. We don't want this. We don't want that. It's like, well, give people reasons to do more characters. Maybe something like Last Epoch has a chance to brick items, but keep the crafting good. I kind of said that in my video a little bit. But yeah, I, I feel like the fact that it takes so long and so much gambling and so much bullshit to get the best items in the game it just seems it just seems painful right i hate to be that guy but if chris wanted the perfect ecosystem of finding shit and crafting you should look at last epoch finding an exalted mod item feels amazing and crafting on it finishing it off it is rewarding i haven't played last epoch so i'm not sure i couldn't tell you what do you think about build diversity when now literally every pwe content creator is playing R uh, rf totems uh you mean um fr totems I mean, yeah, there's a bunch of people playing it because there's very few things that actually work properly. What's up with Death Rite? We talked about that way earlier. Uh, you can go back to the very beginning of the video. Um, quick question asking for your opinion. I want to play Golemist, but I hate carrying Golems. You could try Stone Golems. I don't know how good it would be. But the problem that I, that I realistically come to is that I just... I feel like Deterministic Crafting gave us the tools to be able to actually complete, and it solved the problem of there being issues with balance, right? It solved that problem beautifully. And the reason why I felt that it solved that problem is it made it more likely that you could take an underpowered skill that wasn't as good and get to that level of gear where you could actually complete the game with it. Yes, of course, there's going to be players who get to the very absolute peak of the game and get all of the powerful stuff and all of the powerful items and annihilate every piece of content in the game. Does that matter? Is it that bad? 
At the end of the day, I feel like PoE is supposed to be a power fantasy, right? I feel like eventually, at the end of the day, you should be able to make a character that is fucking god, right? That is absolutely unkillable and insanely powerful if you invest all of the time into it, right? If you go forever and push, 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 you should be able to make that god tier character eventually, right? I think it's fine. Not that big of a deal. I'm gonna try to do KB poison, but I seriously doubt that it would ever work. It doesn't have very much poison. Uh, it doesn't have very much poison scaling capability with it. I mean, you do kill a god before you even start getting decent gear, you know. But I think that that should be an obtainable goal: is making a character uh, amazing, right? Like getting that character to that point. Because currently, right now, with the removal of harvest crafting, it's so much harder to get like actual gear and incremental upgrades. But GG wants us to try other build styles and make those into god tier. I don't know that they do, because they don't set it up. Uh, they don't set us up to be creating multiple builds. It's a path of it's a it's it's like a playstyle that they just don't seem to even consider. Like, what happens when the person wants to make another character? There's just no no continuity there in any way. There's no thought process on move to a second character and what to do on that second character or trying to push people towards playing a second character i don't know it's one thing that i think that there is a lot of work to be done on and the the problem that i feel is that most of the time when i try to do any normal crafting it's like frustrating i never feel accomplished when i get it right like if you go into game and say that I was to try to uh, like craft a random item, you know, like say I go on my character and I wanted to craft that ring, right? Like sitting there and just spamming alterations on an item, trying to craft it and then regal another mod on it and then do something else. It's just so boring, dude. Like it's so, it's so insanely boring. Like if I had to sit here and let's grab random item, I don't know, some kind of a ring or something, right? And I'm just sitting here and I'm like, all right, well, let's do that. And then, you know, it's like, uh, blue. Oh, the mods I don't like. Let's hit it with this. Oh, cool, a good mod. All right, hit it in the augment. Oh, cool, that's a mod I want. All right, we'll hit it with a, we'll hit it with a regal. Oh, it's terrible. Okay, restart. This shit's boring. This shit gets this shit gets boring immediately. Like it, it it's just it, I just I just I I just can't do it. You know, like I I I I can't do it. It's not it's not fun. It's not enjoyable. It's it's so horribly just. Ugh. It's not fun to watch. It's not fun to play, and it just it, it's just it's tedious. Yes, it's just it's tedious as fuck, and I don't enjoy it. With harvest crafting. What you would do with harvest crafting, right, is you'd go in, you had a plan in mind, you had an item that you were wanting to do, and you had a goal, set of goals that you could go for, right? It's still RNG. There were very, very few items that you could make in harvest that it was like, here are the initial, here are the exact steps that you take to get the item. There were very, very few that you could 100% get no matter what. Explodey chest was one of them, and they could have fixed that by making more fizz mods. Would have been fixed. So the thing about it is, is that why don't they make it so that those mods that were so difficult just make it harder for them to be rolled, right? Just make more mods. 
Because the thing about it is, is that if you want there to be some level of RNG to harvest crafting, just make it make it harder to actually get the things, right? I normally try to stay calm whenever I hear anyone say harvest is an item editor. I feel the inner troll try to break free. It's, it, yeah, it's because it wasn't, you know? Like, it's the same feeling that I get when Chris is confused about people wanting to farm things in specific areas. Like, when, he's, when he was like, what, what, you mean people want to be able to know where it's at? I feel the same way about crafting. I want to be able to know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Because currently, right now, it is completely possible when crafting some random item, like, that you just don't get it, right? You just spend literally all of your currency, and you sit there, and then you're frustrated and sad. Like... If you have a thousand alteration orbs, there's a pretty there's a pretty decent chance that if you're going for a random rare mod, you might just not get it. And there's no way to tell that you will eventually get it. And then when you get it, your item might get ruined because you know you upgrade it with a real orb and it hits the wrong thing, and then you have to do beast crafting to get it to go back. I mean, like I get it. But I want I want there to be a light at the end of the tunnel. I want it to feel like I have progression that I can work towards with my items. The problem that I had with gamble crafting versus harvest is just that gamble crafting is like going to a fucking it, it would be like going to the store. OK, if I was going to the grocery store and you gave me two options and one was like, OK, well, if you want milk, you need to go walk over here, grab your milk and you need to put it in your cart, come up to the front, pay us the money for it. You take your milk home, right? What if you went to the fucking grocery store and they're like, oh, so you want some milk? Okay, well, come in, come over here to this, like, you know, fucking, like, roulette spin that you have to do, and you gotta spin the roulette. And if you don't get milk, you're not allowed to have it. So keep keep trying. You have to put in a couple pennies every time that you want it. But couldn't put in, like, a dollar into the machine. You spin the wheel, and when you get milk, you can have milk, and you can go home with your milk. I, Which one would you choose? And I know which one I would choose every single time. It's like, I... I, I need... I need to be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. I need to be able to know the path that I'm taking to get the item that I want and not just feel like it's like behind ev like everlasting layers of RNG. And right now, that's what it feels like most of the time. What was that orb they removed from the game? Eternal orb or something? Why did they remove those and should they bring them back? Um... I don't think they'll bring eternal orbs back. But honestly, I think the idea of the Eternal Orb was good if you ever wanted people to actually exalt stuff. But yeah. Oh, you got a bag of sand. You wanted that instead of the milk, right? I have a dumb question. For harvest crafting, you still have to do the harvest areas to get the craft recipe you want to be able to use? Um, no. So harvest, the way that it works, is you just get a random assortment of crafts that you can do, like... Reroll fizz or augment fizz or remove fizz or roll removes don't exist anymore. And then you can just use those on the items as you find them. Eternals are never coming. Yeah, they're probably not. But yeah, it's like, you think that's dev philosophy and generic at that to keep players coming back to extend the grind, so to speak? If so, I just wish that we would push more towards making the game more fun instead of like forcing the grind, right? Arky addresses the Bay Class Rise situation, nine minute video.
more of a vent video. I don't, I, I kind of talked about this. Um, uh, I kind of talked about this a little bit. We talked about this enough at the beginning of the show. It's probably not going to be, uh, it's probably not going to be much more than I talked about. It's probably, it will probably have relatively similar opinions on this. Death threats bad. We can't have the nice progression with items because then you wouldn't be able to live the Chris dream of IDing that rare item upgrade that fell on the ground. I mean, maybe, but I, I don't know. After hearing Chris and him talking about this alternative mode, I just hope that we do get, um, I hope that we do get some more determinism back in the game in general. Like I read a couple of days ago, um, I think it was Cytech Killer, you don't need to artificially gate the content and make it grindy to make people play more, just make the game fun and people will play more. Yeah, I have never played this game more and been more excited to play this game than in Ritual League. There was so much to do in Ritual League that I just felt excited to play, like all the time. There was always new builds that I could try out, always new things to try out. There was always good shit to do. And I, I didn't get bored, almost ever. Like it was insane how much stuff I had to do. I could do pretty much anything I wanted to. I could play pretty much pretty much any build that I wanted to. I could make the gear for it. I had things that I could farm. I had goals that I could obtain, you know? And I had things that I want to do. And yeah, eventually I got to that point where I'm like, all right, I feel satisfied. And then I could maybe come back and do it again later. But right now, it's more so just frustrating than anything. We got death threats, rise. I found that funny when Chris was like, you should want to pick up rares that are real upgrades, but they could easily do that. The old talisman was good. Yeah. It was very confusing to me that they nerfed talismans after they made it so the talismans could be good to pick up. Why lots are... I talked about it way, way, way earlier. Um, it was all the... Yeah, it was all the Bay class people, but it was mainly Rise because he was the one that got memed on. But yeah. Um... I mean, that's most that I have to talk about deterministic crafting. I mean, those 30 solid minutes of just deterministic crafting, but at the end of the day, I'm kind of sad that we're probably not going to get it in any meaningful manner. Every time they introduced any kind of real deterministic crafting, whether it be ROG or whether it be Harvest or whether it be anything else, it's always, it's fun, right? I enjoy it a ton. And it's really unfortunate that they're taking something that I think that most people enjoy and most people like, and they're just removing it because they feel that people aren't allowed to have fun in that way. But the thing it reminds me of is you remember in, um, you remember in Wilson where the, there was that like bug that they had where you could craft on unique pieces of gear. You remember there was that bug, right? And the whole community was like, oh wow, that's really cool. Keep it in the game. And they're like, no. And they just removed it and never talked about it again. It's stuff like that, right? Like the community finds something that they like and then it's just like, no, you're not allowed to have fun that way. This isn't good for the game. You're having fun, not allowed. And I know that's hyperbole and I know it's I know it's not like the whole story, but still, it's the way it feels sometimes, right? And the way that things feel does matter. So it's it's kind of it's kind of unfortunate, yeah. But I think that's I think that's most of what I want to talk about. I think that's most everything that I wanted to talk about when it came to all of this, right? Like, I think that, I think that is most of it. I don't think there is much else that I would want to talk about. I ended up doing a lot of talking today. Talking about Wilson, did you see the new content update? I've completely just written off that game at this point. I've done a lot of talking today. A lot more than I thought I would, to be honest with you. Let's see.
I talked a lot. Um, but that's probably, that's about it. Um, I don't really have much more to say on it. I talked so much that I f kind of feel like my voice is starting to hurt. So I might end stream. Oh, did the music stop? Hello? I might end stream a little bit early today just because that was way more talking. I've literally been like talking constantly, like aggressively for like three and a half hours. So I might take a little bit of a break. Um, do you, um, I'm wondering, do you guys want like a recap video of this? Like, do you want me to take all of the points and everything that we talked about? Like if I can make it, I don't know that I, I don't know that I essentially can, but would you like like a quick recap video of me going over all of the different stuff that we talked about today? Short TLDR, there's no short TLDR for today, to be honest with you. There just really isn't one. Yeah, please, that'd be awesome. Okay. I'll try to write up these notes and make these notes a little bit better. Um, and after, my, after I make the notes better and more like fleshed out and um, and more like organized and such, I can maybe just make a quick video of like 10 or 15 minutes and say it. Or do you sum the stuff up in a good way and send it to Ziz or Gazzy? Yeah, I'll take some of the stuff. Um, I'll take some of the stuff that I said. And we'll try to send it somewhere. Maybe Ziz or maybe Gazzy, I'm not sure. Can't TLDR something this complex? Yeah, I mean, I, we we genuinely talked about a lot of shit, right? Like, we talked, we talked about a bunch of stuff. Like, look at all this stuff. I went in depth on most of this. It took me three and a half hours to say everything that I wanted to say. We went pretty oh, active the yes, entire Daddy. time, too. Yo, Cluponic. the ridiculous amount of five subs. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the five gifted subs. Welcome to the flock. Rez, your boy, Ellie, D DJY Rhett, um, Eshonarog, and Mick XD. Welcome to the flock. Enjoy your big duck and knife that you can threaten us to chat with. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the generous support, Cluponic. I do appreciate you. You already quit the league for whatever reason. Anything mentioned yesterday gives motivation to return to 3.15 now or just sit and wait for 3.16? No. Honestly, I don't think they said very much yesterday that makes me want to come back to 3. That would make someone want to come back to 3.15. I think it would push you towards 3.16, yeah? Before you rest that voice box, just want to say I hope we don't lose you as a content creator and that game gets fun for you again. Well, we have until 3.17. Um, the thing about it is, is that I can't realistically... I'll talk about this a little bit, because I know people were wondering about it. Um, has your attitude towards POE changed between the last video and the Bay Class video? My attitude has not changed, no. Um, the reason being is that we have been told things many times, and it's at that point where it's like, fool me once, fool me twice, fool me three times, we're past that. Um, so my perspective is positive in the sense that they're communicating with us more, but we need to actually, oh, we need to actually yes, see the changes before the flop. I agree. Yo, Eguile, thank you for the tier one sub. Welcome back for 10 months. Enjoy your big duck and knife that you can threaten the rest of the chat with. Thank you, thank you, thank you, gamer. But yes, as I said, um, the changes need to actually happen. I, I can't... I can't take them off of what they say anymore because what they say has not lined up with what's happened. So if they bring, if the spirit of the changes that they talked about in this podcast and whatever Chris and them talk about going forward, come into the game and we start seeing it move in that direction, we start seeing more interaction with the community and more things going forward. If we see that, then I will be happy. Um, however, until we see those changes actually come through, 
I am not going to be excited or get myself excited for something that I'm not sure it's going to happen. Um, as for my content and playing video games and making uh, streaming and all that kind of stuff, um, I'm essentially giving it until like 3.17, roughly, until I make my decision. Because the thing about it is, is that 3.16, I don't think they have enough time at this point to be able to address all of the grievances. As long as I th see 3.16 moving in a general correct direction, it'll be okay. And as long as 3.17 actually gives us some meaningful change to all of the stuff and we see that they've done, even... I mean, boys, I'm talking like, even if we get a third of this by one point, by 3.17. If we get a third of this by 3.17, like one third of the stuff we talked about, I would be happy, legit. Um, but beyond that, uh, I don't know. We'd have to see. As for what I would do afterwards, content-wise, I'd probably still stream and I'd probably still make videos. Um, but I don't know about what, or I don't know what I would do. I have a generic channel called Small Ducks. Um, some of you have found that already. That I'm going to work on soon-ish and start making content for. Just generic gaming content, generic life content. Think just like a, a variety type thing. I'll do variety streams and stuff over there when I have time. It's not... It's not main focus, it's very back burner right now. I've got, we have, what, six months, roughly, until we get, um, until we get 3.17, six-ish six months. So we've got some time, um, but it's going to be, uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a little bit, right? Like, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a while before that channel gets very much love. But we'll see, boys. Make sure to follow the stream if you haven't. I do appreciate y'all coming hanging out with me today. I know it's a shorter stream, but um, we're going to be moving, and I'm going to go and handle some other stuff. Um, I need to give my voice a bit of a break because I've talked a lot. So, but January was really bad from a content creator perspective, wasn't it? For YouTube, yes. Appreciate you, boys. Remember to follow the stream. Thank you for all the follows, all the bits, all the donors, all the level of support. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I do appreciate each and every single one of you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming and talking with your boy. We'll be back tomorrow for Friday. We'll do the we'll do the FR Totem stuff tomorrow. We'll work specifically on that unless something else comes up. So take care, boys. I'll see you then.